1: Hey guys, brand new podcast. Uh, I'm here with my wife Leanne who just eat, finished eating some fried chicken.
2: Oh, it was so good. We
1: bought uh, $150 worth of fried chicken the other day. We didn't. I did. Yeah. it was a bunch of people here and everyone just had one piece.
2: There were six people here.
1: Georgia and I, no, there were not six, but there okay, were 11 okay, total. Four,
2: five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh yeah, there were 11 people.
1: Uh, yeah, I know, and so Georgia and I planned it so everyone got three pieces of fried chicken. Okay. And everyone just go, took one.
2: Well, I know one person ate three biscuits. Who? One of my Girl Scout troop leaders, who shall re- remain nameless.
1: Oh, but they know who the fuck they are.
2: They do know who they are. Three biscuits. I watched it myself.
1: Today's podcast is absolutely fucking fascinating. I think, Halston, is it safe to say that this is one of the most interesting podcasts you've ever gotten to listen to? It's crazy. It's fucking insane. It is, uh, I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and I was... Uh, with Dave Williamson. Dave is a fantastic... He's been on the podcast. He's coming up on the podcast this month. We did a live podcast. Me, him, and... Do you remember who else is on that podcast? I know Erin uh, from the Improv's on the podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she talks a lot about comics. And Does she? Her, it's a really fucking good one. I bet one. that's a good one. That's a really good one. It's going to be a good... I bet a lot of comics listen to it. Um, but but anyway, I was sitting with Dave, William, Dave Williamson in... Uh, in Birmingham. Birmingham, Alabama, and he, we were talking about great stories and great storytellers, and sometimes when people go on, this is not happening, and try too hard, and, and so when people go on and, with not a great story, but a bit they're working on, and you can sniff it out, and he's like, dude, have you heard Jessa Reed's story? And I go, no. And he goes, uh, she drank her own piss to get high. Oh, why? (laughs) That's the story. You got to listen to the podcast. what? She talks about it on the podcast and it is fucking amazing. That's disgusting. It is fucking amazing. What
2: drug do you do that makes you high through pee?
1: I will tell you, uh, crystal meth, but I will tell you... (laughs) She, by the way, that is the Oh my That is God. the tip of the iceberg on this podcast. She is obviously she is clean. She's a mother of three. She's an awesome comedian who's out in LA and is blowing up. And I am so lucky to have found her first in the podcast world. Because ladies and gentlemen, this is a new this is the new Miss Pat this is the new like oh you want to get real motherfucker let's get real really? Do you remember when you listen to Miss Pat she's like I go am supposed to ask about your gunshot and she's like I got my titty shot off and you were like wait
2: who is this yeah
1: there's a point in this podcast where we we didn't take it out but eight minutes in Jessa asked us to stop because don't spoil it don't spoil it don't, spoil it. It, don't do it 8 minutes so in it's only 8 good. minutes it's so fucking good so let's get through the the sponsors and let you hear this podcast tour dates i am in cleveland this month uh on thursday of next week next week thursday i'm there thursday and friday uh but thursday is the only play time with tickets available i'll be hosting roverfest and uh and we got some great podcasts coming out this month Whitney Cummings is coming out that was a great we just just did that podcast and that's a three hour plus podcast you're gonna fucking love was it really? Zach Bitter yeah there's a. a I'm telling you man
2: I'm telling you man
1: we're hitting out of the park. my back is fucking killing me it is killing me I think due in part to our mattress and that's why I am going to buy a Lisa mattress when we come back from we already got one they give you a mattress so you can see if you like it this mattress but we
2: gave it to Georgia it was
1: fought over in our house and it landed in Georgia's room and the other day I was in bed with Georgia and I was like this is fucking awesome it's firm yet soft it's cool as fuck and I sweat during sleep profusely yeah profusely um Continue to celebrate the 4th of July with a premium foam mattress designed, assembled, and manufactured in the US of A. So fucking comfortable, you'll want to set off fireworks. I'm telling you, no joke, Georgia's got the best room in the house because she also has a Lisa pillow.
2: She has a Lisa the pillow. The Lisa too, pillow yeah. and the
1: Lisa mattress. This kid wakes up She's in a, a great brat. mood
2: Spoiled every
1: fucking day. Isla does not have a Lisa mattress, and we call her the bad wolf.
2: I don't know that she that would matter. Really? Nope. But I've, I've been sleeping with Georgia because you've been snoring so badly and have to say her mattress is far more comfortable than ours.
1: To design a better mattress, Lisa leveraged 30 years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing, science testing that is, to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes. It says a lot because you and Georgia have very different body shapes. Yes. Body, body rolls, body rolls, mm-hmm. high kicks, high kicks. <laughs> For all body shapes and sleeping styles, are you, are you a back sleeper, a side sleeper, Leanne, or a belly sleeper?
2: I am a side sleeper.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. I talked to someone the other day who was like, I'm a belly sleeper, but when I was pregnant, that was really tough, and I was like...
2: I would oh, imagine.
1: Uh, yeah, well, that's what I feel like when I sleep on my belly. Lisa's mission is to provide a better late nights, a better late night, a better night sleep for everybody through their 1 in 10 program. They don't donate one mattress for every 10 they sell to more than 10... 26,000 mattresses and counting already. They strive to leave the world a better place than they found it, and it doesn't stop with mattresses. Together with Arbor Day Foundation, Lisa plants one tree for every mattress they sell and are committing to planting one million trees by 2025. (sighs) That's great. Yeah, it is. Hurry right now, and the Lisa 4th, July fourth mattress sale is still on and it won't last long. Get a hundred and sixty dollars off a Lisa mattress at Lisa.com slash That's L E E S A dot com slash Bertcast. Does that apply to us? That, yeah, duh, yeah. Let's buy one. Let's buy one and have it for when we come back from vacation. Okay. I need a new mattress. You do. California King, $160 off. Okay. Just go to lisa.com slash burkcast. L-E-E-S-A dot com slash Today's sponsor is also brought to you by Blue Apron, which I just saw in our kitchen.
2: Yep. Just I got just, here.
1: Just got here. What Do you know what it is today?
2: I have not even opened it yet. But I was going to cook. Uh, we have one left from last week that's like seared pork chops with peach salsa. Oh, and, I love uh, when they do shit like potatoes. that because we would
1: never cook like that normally. No, but when you get it through Blue Apron, looking. you find that you're in love with it. Yep. Blue Apron delivers farm fresh ingredients step by step to your door. Their mission to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And by everyone, that means you, you ham and egger. They want you to make great fucking meals they do this by supporting a more sustainable food system and setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs i will tell you this right now a family that cooks together and eats together stays together we are close because of this product i am not bullshitting you every night the family sits down for dinner and even when we don't have a blue apron we now all sit down you know it's so funny we didn't do that last night no, we all it went to different places of the house because it wasn't a blue apron. Yeah. So in a weird way, when we have a blue apron set up, it's almost that's almost the only time we sit together as a family because the girls will come in and go, "What is this, mom? Should I put the sauce on it? The burgers we made the other day?
2: Oh, they were really good."
1: They offer three plans: the two-person plan that serves two people, that's why they call it the two-person plan. Choosing from eight new recipes per week, receiving either two or three recipes any week. The family meal plan that serves four people, choosing from four new recipes per week, with the choice of receiving either two, three, four recipes any week. And the wine meal plan, Liam, which I might get myself into tonight. What the wine the meal? Plan? I haven't had wine in forever. We'll oh. put back some vino and do hand jobs.
2: No, no, I'm good.
1: The wine meal plan serves six bottles of wine from renowned winemakers delivered monthly. Let's see what they got in the the queue, in the lineup. These meals are awesome. I'm telling you right now, I'm a fucking, I'm a momo, as Joey would say.
2: What's a momo?
1: I don't know. It's one of those Joey lines. Hopefully, it's nothing racial.
2: (laughs) A momo? Did
1: you ever hear that? Never mind. (laughs) Anyway... They're super convenient. They're delivered right to your door. You can make them in under 45 minutes or less. They are inexpensive, meaning you can feed your entire family. Four four of us are always under $40, $10 per person, and they're flexible. Change whatever the fuck you want. You can get whatever the fuck you want. Blue Apron sends non on GMOO ingredients and meats with no hormon- hormones. I hope this the style and tone of this read has been relatable and real. I hope it's been delicious and lighthearted. Here's my call to action. Check out this week's menu. This week's menu is I love that Christy Teigen's doing something with Blue Apron. Oh, That's yeah? so fucking smart. Yeah. Yeah, because you end up talking about Christy Teigen all night at well, dinner. Oh yeah. Christy Teigen's Chipotle Lime Chicken Fajitas with sautéed mushrooms and sweet peppers. This one's good for grilling. Honey Chipotle Glazed Chicken with Poblano and Lime Rice. Customer favorite, sweet chili beef stir-fry with garlic and vegetable stir-fry with garlic and rice. And barbecued vegetable flatbread with Swiss cheese. Nice. Here's what you can do. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at BlueApron.com slash BirdCast. That's BlueApron.com slash BirdCast. Get your first three meals for free. I'm telling you right now, I am a great fucking parent. So good. And I'm a great parent because I eat Blue Apron with my family.
2: You are the best parent ever.
1: So get your first three meals for free at BlueApron.com slash BirdCast. Blue Apron. A better way to eat.
2: You are a D-O-R-K.
1: I'm a fucking artist. You're a Who's dork. that text from? Another one of your podcasts that gets the cool air. Uh, those are my tour dates. You're going to love this podcast. Hopefully, how long? Hey, the, hey, for all you fucking open tabs people, get ready for this week's open tabs. The kids have been saved and we will be talking about that. Hopefully. Let's see if we, we have the green light from Christina.
2: Christina? Yep. Christina who?
1: We're going to be breaking down the pilot episode of Christina Pizhinski's, uh Real World uh, show. She did Real World in 1996, was it? 1998. And we are going to be breaking down a young Christina. Who's doing this? I am on Open Tabs this week. Are you? And if it goes well, we'll break down Theo Vaughn's too. Oh my God. <laughs> Theo Vaughn's is almost, almost better than Christina's. Really? Yeah, he's such a fucking mouth breather. Oh, I remember these fucking pilots so well. Anyway, anyway, uh, today's podcast is absolutely fucking amazing. You are gonna love it. You're gonna become a fan of this woman. You're gonna find her online. Let me give you her her Twitter because you're gonna want to follow her and go see her live when she's performing in L.A. Um, what at Jessa Reed Comedy? Oh, it's at Jessa Reed Comedy. J E S S A R E E D Comedy. C O M E D Y. She's got a podcast called The Mormon and the Meth Ed. Give them a listen, but buckle up, motherfuckers, because what you're about to hear is the reason I got into podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessa Reed. Um. Yeah. DIY networks built it for me. Uh, a few years ago. It's probably the best thing that ever happened in my career.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easily. I can easily
1: say that. I. Uh, it's the. Yeah, because it was like uh, I, when this got built, I was like, if and I got fired from the network the day it was finished. Whoa. Yeah. Was and this
0: uh This was like your severance package?
1: No, but I looked at it like that, and I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'll never talk bad about the network. Uh, wow. I have talked bad about the network since but they yeah. had nine different presidents so I think I like I had a right I was at Travel Channel wait uh, the my biggest question I have to you but f- can I tell you I enjoyed your This Is Not Happening so fucking much oh thank you it was so awesome so do you get high <laughs> from drinking piss
0: yeah just meth piss No other... You
1: get high from drinking meth piss.
0: What happened... Now it's a thing. Like now on the internet, you can Google it or like on Reddit. There are subreddits dedicated to talking about getting high from drinking your uh, methamphetamine urine. But when I came up with this idea on my own, it was 2004. And the only thing that I could find... Because our entire like... uh, people that believe that drinking your urine cures AIDS and, uh, and Joe Rogan uh, drank
1: his own piss on radio one time because there was a fighter who drank his early morning piss and yeah. it was filled with nutrients.
0: Yeah. They say that it's just a byproduct of your blood production and that there's extra vitamins and everything else in it. Uh, there are people that believe that drinking it helps with HIV because there's something about the way that the HIV or AIDS, I don't uh, Mutates or changes and that that drinking your urine helps with that. I don't uh, Something about the uric acid helps with gout. I don't know. This is all just the claim so when I was researching Drinking my piss it was because I found an I was reading an article that was talking about how people were switching from coke to meth and it was because coke You know, you do a line of coke and then you're like jonesing for more coke in a few minutes. Yeah, That's because your body has broken down the coke and you stay high on meth so long because your body doesn't break it down. And so it was just talking about the meth epidemic and why people were getting hooked on meth. But I was like, well, wait, if it doesn't break it down, we're peeing meth like that's straight meth. Yeah. And so I, I... This got cut out of the story, but I was living in an RV and trying to manufacture... Like, I had the grossest meth lab ever. Really? Trying to... But I, like, don't know anything about chemistry, so I was just trying to do things that you do to make, like I'm just putting piss in a pressure cooker. Like that's just going to come out <laughs> crystallized. Because it comes do, out like you a fruit think roll You up would think really that gross. if you
1: did like the old school science experiments, you would just, you could put it in a beaker into like one of those things.
0: Yeah. Like I should have just put a string in it and put it in the window and made some rock candy or something. Yeah. I didn't have any, I was very impatient. I wanted it to be meth to your, like, like pee to meth today. Cause I need meth. Um, I tried mixing it with chemicals. Uh, piss and bleach makes a bomb. By the way, don't uh, for real. So, well, I meth piss and pe- uh, uh, bleach too. Yeah, it got in my hair. Um, Cut in your hair? Yeah, it's like uh, f- foamed up real fast. Um, yeah, so I none of that succeeded because I have no idea what I'm doing. But I did find one thing on the internet back then that the feds had raided a biker warehouse and found barrels of piss. So I knew I was right. Like I knew there's meth in there because the, you know, the bikers are on the, they're on the front lines of everything to do it. Like they, they know ahead of time everything to do with meth. So now it's a whole thing and that I, people have successfully extracted meth from piss. It's
1: amazing that you were at the fucking Forefront I know of the that's scientific just who I am I'm,
0: I've always been like that. I've always been ahead of my time. So when I drank it though, because I finally was just like, I'm just going to drink it, <laughs> and uh, I just have uh, to. I, I have to know if this hypothesis yeah. is um, accurate. It was de- it was so accurate. It was a different high though. It's a completely. It was like psychedelic, very psychedelic, really? almost DMT. I guess the experience I had was very similar to DMT. So. I was already had I'd already had a near death experience and spent most of my. time, I'm just gonna blurt out a lot of stuff. I tell that me you're everything. Like. <laughs> I am so
1: fucked. I went. I like so time, So many times you watch those. This is not happening. And you go. You go. Uh, I, this guy's really stretching for 13 minutes. Yeah. And <laughs> in <laughs> yours, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Can we put can a we pin in, in that? To... <laughs> I have a few. I have a few questions.
0: Every every time I talk, people are like, "What? Can we? Okay. Can we go back to that? Um, so in 2000, I had a near death experience." Uh, I have been trying to figure out the circumstances surrounding this, but I was just surrounded by other people on drugs. But maybe uh, maybe I had GHB that day. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I end up dead in the hospital, and I have this near-death experience where I go to this big blue ball of light, and the big blue ball of light tells me that earth is just a place where that we're all part of this big blue ball of light and earth is just a place where we come play games basically and that we were the dinosaurs and that we were the egyptian gods and now we're this and that we're switching it's basically a video game and we're switching games and we're going from a game where we don't remember that we're playing a game to a game where we do remember that we're playing a game and then the whole rest of the time i was on meth i was in this like alien school where i was being taught By these, I'm sure it was meth-induced schizophrenia, but (laughs) (laughs) already I was already on a pretty wild trip with drugs. And when I drank meth piss the first time, I went to the place I call the ether. But you know the place in the matrix where they like plug their heads in? Yeah. Where we're real or whatever. And I went there and I like talk to everybody where we are real and had this super transcendental experience. And then after that, for the remainder of my addiction, which was not very long, I was just addicted to meth piss. Cause it's so different than like, I was just eating meth so that I could d- drink my, piss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is like, this is the most insane story I've ever heard in my life. And I would say I'm a, I'm a notable, like I have some, like, today I was like, oh, I have a good story I forgot to tell, and none of them will match up with this, because you don't look like that person at all. I know,
0: all. yeah, that's, a, that's the, yeah, and I have a, I have a, a lot.
1: <laughs> so wait, how did, like, do you think you were always predisposed to doing drugs?
0: I think, so when I, I'm going to have to stop for one second, is that okay? Yeah, sure. I forgot to glue my
1: teeth in you forgot to glue your teeth in no let's not stop at all are you fucking kidding me did you wait hold on did you really just say that oh my god oh my god yeah we'll edit this part in the video but we're leaving this audio part. Are you fucking kidding me this is fucking fascinating so wait
0: that happens all the time on the podcast so, right? wait. so wait so wait
1: so wait hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on so do you you lost your teeth doing meth Ooh. Here's
0: what happened. I already had something called soft teeth. They weren't great to start.
1: I have bad teeth. I have really bad teeth. My daughters have bad teeth.
0: So I had bad teeth as a kid. I had my first kid when I was 17 and uh, they just, oh, I got knocked up by a pastor's kid. Had to get married when I was 16. It's a big, okay, that's a different one. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, will you write some of these down?
1: This is, I know what my fans are thinking and they're going, this is Miss Pat level. Like this is next fucking level
0: um okay so when my teeth started to fall apart i we broke into a dentist's office and me and a bunch of tweakers hold on
1: i don't think i've i've never i've never seen
0: a bunch of mouse sounds on you.
1: i've never seen dentures in real life oh really i've never i've, I've seen my grant my my what is that a mint oh oh (laughs) so we used to put denture cream on our lips because our we were put stuff in each other's mouths when we passed out so one of the safeguards was to put denture cream on your lips and then glue your lips together and go to sleep
0: oh that's hilarious i wish it worked that good all right so we broke into a dentist's office and everyone else is looking for like the nitrous and stuff which is like in a shed in the back and i just stole amalgam and tools and i would fashion taught myself how to mix it and then would fashion like a bridge so that if you were up close, it looked gnarly. Yes. But if you were far, like if you were sitting this far away, it looked like I had a full grill. I would like carve teeth, but but every time it would start to deteriorate and come out, it would just take more of the actual teeth with it.
1: Oh, really? So
0: then, when those would get, then they would be like exposed nerves and abscesses and stuff. And so I just oh sawed them down and cut open my gums. <laughs> and uh so that everything could yeah so anyway when i go to get
1: fucking fascinating (laughs) so wait so wait so wait so wait when when, okay hang on one second let's go okay let's back (laughs) let's back up let's back up for a second so uh knocked up at 17
0: 16 okay so uh my mom is a drug addict
1: your mom's a drug addict.
0: my mom was a drug addict my mom was a was a tweaker also parents together no my dad lived in delaware my mom lived in portland so i spent my whole life moving back and forth okay and i uh at 15 wanted to smoke pot so i moved back to where my mom was i'd been in and out of mental institutions had really? a rough rough childhood uh, a lot of stuff to process eating disorder uh binging not purging uh <laughs> i got that one too. never had that follow through yeah. uh got hypnotized to 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 get over that in my 30s um i
1: go out to portland start smoking go out to
0: portland start smoking weed never just never go i had gotten expelled from ninth grade and then uh enrolled myself in 10th grade my mom was too fucked up to like
1: what was your mom was your mom meth
0: yeah crank back then yeah yeah Real high and I swore I would never do it Because of that like I was like I'll never do That drug my motive to get Fucked up though was not like a lot Of addicts it's about like escaping pain or Stuff I've never obviously from the teeth Story been afraid of pain Yeah, I did from early Childhood feel like Disillusioned I guess like uh, I felt like the I've never seen the Truman Show, but what that movie I think is about, like, I just felt like, oh, this isn't it, though. You're all pretending or like there's a curtain somewhere. This is not it. Like, this can't be it. And I felt dropped off here and um, drugs I, I was looking for the curtain, and the first time I did meth was an accident. I was looking for the curtain. I got involved with Christianity, looking for the curtain.
1: So, so had you done pot and done other stuff too, and then
0: yeah, I started. I did. I started drinking and smoking pot at fifteen. I was allowed to smoke pot in my in my house. Like my mom let me smoke pot. I smoked pot with my mom. Really? I never went to to 10th grade I pretend I went every day to there and did acid I just did acid all day every day for the first couple months and then um, I got I kept getting picked up by the cops because I would run away from home and then my mom stopped telling on me for running away from home because they said they were going to lock me up and so I got picked up one more time after passing out in a mud puddle they said I said I was trying to kill myself they put me in a mental hospital my like fifth mental hospital visit and uh she lost custody of me somehow something in the cps could tell she was high something she lost custody of me so i had to live with my grandmother who went to church
1: in portland in portland and that's that's when you found jesus
0: yeah that's when i found jesus i was real into that until i found the pastor's son and then i was like all right i mean jesus will be here after i fuck this dude though right (laughs) so flash forward six months later i get knocked up by the pastor's son after like a two-week acid bender we had this theory where if you uh just take another hit after right after you've peaked like how long can you ride that and you can ride that until your boyfriend takes off with your best friend in spokane (laughs) and then you'll be drinking milk in your bathroom crying so then we get married that's a shit show you're 17. I'm 17. We get married at 16. She's born at 17, and I'm a born-again Christian. I go balls to the wall with that shit. I'm really? in the ministry for, like, four years. But they really lean heavy on that, like, women submitting I don't yeah. know if you could tell that that's probably not. That's my, not you. That's yeah. not you. Yeah. That's probably, Somebody shaves her own teeth out of, of their mouth. I've life experience. I'm pretty good at a lot of stuff. That, that's not one that's of the things. That's definitely not it. That. I'm like, all that. right, well, we're just going to base this on him having a dick and disregard the fact that he's a fucking idiot. Which is not how you submit. Uh, so I did that five-year stint in Christianity. I left him. I, I, I moved to the east coast got my shit together i was like i had gained a lot of weight this family was very prejudiced against fat people so he cheated on me a lot and it was because i was fat and then i just had to listen to them justified uh, because yeah you're fat like well it, you know yeah. you never did anything to lose that weight and it's like uh uh yeah so i moved to the east coast instantly lose all the weight because i don't have a weird family like pointing at it yeah and he comes out to get me after a few months you know now he loves me because i'm thin and uh we moved back to portland and and just pet cemetery just i don't want to be married to this dude anymore yeah. so i try to catch him cheating so i like pretend to go away for the weekend and then just stake out the house because like now if i leave it's because i'm a bitch you know because i yeah. don't care about my family so then i catfished him on the web tv do you remember web tv
1: no, In I the, don't remember web TV
0: when the internet first came out, but computers were super expensive. You could get this, this basically the internet that you plug into your TV and it was just like green writing. There was no pictures or anything. No. Yeah. Wait,
1: how old are you? Do you, if you don't mind me, I, I'm sure you don't care. So
0: now I'm 41. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this was like, this was ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Okay. And so we were too poor to like have a computer with AOL. You know, that was at my parents' house. But um, so I catfish him on Web TV, which is super easy. You just have to create accounts, send him a message. He's too dumb to be like, where would this message have come from? Yeah. So he has an affair with Pretend Me. And uh, uh, then when he's getting ready to meet Pretend Me, I'm like, boom, caught ya. I'm leaving. And he's like, uh... I knew it was you. I thought oh this was God. like... And I'm like, yeah, right. Well, then why'd you... Yeah. So he ends up telling me... I end up doing comedy on accident for the first time because I was a compulsive liar. So I... So
1: he, he, wait, hold on. How old are you at the time? 21. Just You're turned 21. 21.
0: And I told some co-workers because he was very funny. So we'd go to open mics every Monday. And I told for, wait, him... the pastor's son was funny? He was unbelievably funny this has been the hardest thing i've had to learn in life is that people have to have one more redeeming quality than making me laugh uh in order for me to just uh love them you know what I
1: mean? like yep. they just have to be uh you're some, talking about all my yeah. best friends <laughs> yeah.
0: i have to stop pouring my soul into people that just make me laugh because they have to have at least one one yeah. he had none other than he was hysterically funny and a huge dick um so <laughs> really I, so i uh, would go to open mics because of him, and he would—he was a puss, so he never went up. And then I told my coworkers that I was a c- doing comedy. You know, I was like, "They're like, you're being so fun, you're so funny," and I was like, "Yeah, I do stand up at Rabadi's Pan, which is how you know that the person doesn't do stand up."
1: Oh, by the way, no, I count that as like—that was definitely me too. Yeah, like I did it once. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm a stand-up comedian, and then like, you make a living that way, and like, pretty much. Yeah, considering I don't have any money, and that's how I get free drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I still get paid the same. Uh, So they uh, showed up to support me and I had to get on stage. And I had no intentions of ever. I love to stand up. I never would have thought I could do it. So I get hammered. I get up. I crush. And then afterwards, some dude is like, hey, we need a token female for this comedy. This is the 90s. They didn't try to hide the sexism.
1: Oh, they still don't. Now, by the way, (laughs) God, we need a chick. We can't find one
0: uh to my face was like we need a token female so that was friday night so i did an open mic monday one tuesday friday night did the preliminaries and Holy then did shit. that three weeks in a row on the third week i won the f- comedy contest and it was paid gigs so i was a professional comedian by my 10th time on stage. Shit. So it's like, uh, triple gigs, like, like, yeah. like one nighters and stuff, but I had a car and I, I was a slut. So <laughs> all the headliners took me and like yeah. covered my time. Cause I still only had the 15 minutes I wrote for the contest <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I would, ju- so then the night of the, the finals that I beat all the, the local comics, yeah. um, we got home and he said, Okay, well, that was cute, but like, no wife of mine is going to be a stand-up comedian. And I was like, "Deal." <laughs> Want the cat?
1: Uh, what the cat? Wait, so what's happening with your kid at the time?
0: She is like four, and uh, you know, being taken care of. Yeah, uh, I was not a good mom. I'm I not d- a good dad now. I'm not. Yeah, I'm better. But, uh, not just, you know, not, I'm not nurturing or anything. So, uh, I, ju- I we just, we just did I an episode on our podcast called detachment parenting. Cause that is my, uh, I was just like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure they'll be fine.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I, uh, am, I've worked all day today. I will now I'm doing another podcast after this and then I go and do a spot tonight and I come home and. I didn't know that my daughters leave for camp for a week tomorrow. Oh shit. So like the day I'm supposed to spend time with them, yeah, I've been fucking lined up for work and I just had a long conversation with my wife about it, about I operate in chaos and I can't function unless I fucking am overwhelmed. And...
0: Yes, I'm the same. How old, are, how old are your daughters? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can find out after camp.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so wait so so you he you and him split up because you do comedy yeah and you do it well yep and you can now do it and he's like then i want a divorce
0: yeah and i was like perfect because i was trying to get out of it anyway yeah. you know i just needed him to do something i needed him to be the scumbag you know not 2018, it would just be like, I don't like this. I'm not doing it anymore. But uh, back then, I felt like I didn't want to be the bad guy.
1: Yeah, every breakup I've ever had. Yeah. So I he was, delivered. Yeah.
0: He <laughs> delivered. I, it was perfect. And then I did stand up. I was on the road three weeks out of the month for like almost a year or a little oh over a year. God. And then I asked, uh, I was getting so drunk. Do you remember back when you just got unlimited drinks? You probably yeah. maybe still get unlimited. But yeah. like...
1: I definitely still get unlimited drinks. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: but it used to just be like one-nighters at shitty bars. It was just
1: unlimited free drinks. Oh, yeah. And so I'm 21. I remember the first time they said you need to pay for drinks. I went, are you being serious? And they were like, oh, yeah, you need to pay for... it. By the way, my wife told me today that microphone smells. So I apologize if it no, does. No, no,
0: I just... Keep thinking I spit on it, but oh! Don't worry about spitting
1: on it. My wife. Every time you, who did you just have on? And I was like, I sat at that microphone. (laughs) But yeah, I I I remember when they first asked me to pay for drinks, and I was like, you're joking, right? Like that's why we got into the gig. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I thought you were. I'm not here for the money. That's for
1: sure. You're not going to offer me weed in a second? Like, wait, okay. So yeah, I I remember that.
0: I would get so drunk that I was getting field sobriety tests in the morning trying to get to the next gig, you know because the gigs have to be nine hours apart for some reason and so after getting pulled over the second time in the morning for still being drunk someone's like just do a bump of coke and you'll sober up and i was like all right because i'd already been through my coke phase by 21 really yeah i had a uh rough go at with coke for uh, i don't know six months or something when i was 20 and then i was like i can't afford this habit so I asked a bartender after a gig in Butte, Montana for a line of white, which does not mean Coke in Butte, Montana. <laughs> 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 and I did this giant rail because I thought it was Coke and I was kind of showing off and I, it was like a half team, like it was a lot. And then when I stood back up, they're both looking at me like, what the fuck? fuck and then my head caught on fire and then i was just addicted to meth after that immediately Immediately. i was like oh there's a curtain oh i'm gonna find the curtain like i just i felt like i had been vibrating at a different frequency than the rest of the world my whole life and uh meth made the world go the same speed as my mind
1: that is such an interesting statement um i had on i hope i do not fuck up who I had on. Was it Mike Lawrence? No. Who was it? <laughs> who was it that's writing for, um, who's writing for Michelle Wolf now, that came in with the beard and he was like, I just fell off the wagon. Oh, yeah. Um, it's some. not Mike Lawrence. I'm fucking, it's uh, it's yeah. Dan St. Germain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dan okay. St. Germain came in and he had just fallen off the wagon. And I was like, and I always say, cause I have a hard time, when I when I don't drink, that first beer, I don't enjoy it. I feel like, I'm like, ugh, I feel like a piece of shit. And I go, man, What you, you don't need this. Just just don't stop drinking altogether. Like, I'll go for big stretches, like a yeah. month. And then, which doesn't sound that big to the average person, but he was like, I said, what happened when you had that first drink? And he goes, oh, old Dan's back. And I was like, and my dad, the first time he ever took Xanax, he went... So, is this what everyone else feels like? Yeah. Like, and it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting feeling because you go, oh, now I'm home.
0: Yes, exactly. Oh, that's a perfect description.
1: Yeah, like, and, but I, I think I feel like that. I don't know if I feel like that. I don't know. I think when I stop drinking for like two days, then I feel like that. Yeah. Like when, like I drank a little bit last night, I won't drink tonight. I won't drink tomorrow night and Thursday morning, right before I get on the plane, I'll feel like that, and then I'll drink on the plane. Yeah, I'll go. Oh, this is what it feels like. Everything caught up to speed. We're not nervous anymore. We can work at the normal pace, and then I'll start drinking again, and I'll have a fucking bender weekend, and I'll come home and. But yeah, I know that feeling. I not to steal your thunder about the first time you try meth, but that is a fascinating analogy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is. Uh... I never really thought of uh No, but when you said like the the world's yeah.
1: now vibrating at the same level I'm vibrating at.
0: Yeah. I do like I was desperately looking for something and a lot of like when I first got into Christianity the first time before meeting the pastor's son, I uh, had been doing acid all day and it was the end of the day and I ended up at this slumber party with them and they were like sl- like doing that thing where you like pray, slaying each other in the spirit, praying and going down and stuff. And I did it and it happened and I was like, oh, okay, this is a supernatural experience. Like I'll, this is it. I'll do yeah. this. And then the, f- the further you get into any religion, they just suck all the power out of it. Yeah. And so, I had repeated experiences where I thought I was tapping into something bigger than myself and then just having it crushed by a uh, man and their bullshit. And so, um, yeah, meth, I just felt like I was walking in between the worlds. Like and you were immediately
1: world. addicted the second it, you started?
0: The second I started, I was like, this is the, this is the secret to happiness. I had... Uh, I spent all the money I made on gigs that weekend buying prepaid phone call phone, phone cards this is back from, like you couldn't call long distance nobody yeah. I didn't have cell phones yet and um, calling everyone and being like this is just what I'm going to do from now on deal with it or don't. Are you serious? Yeah. By the time I got home, because I lived in Portland and I was already active in like the after hour scene. So there's all these like secret speakeasies or whatever. And so obviously I knew who had the meth. My mom by this point is clean and a born again Christian. And so I think I was spun out on meth for a... few weeks before I was like I have to put my daughter somewhere safe and her dad was a fuck up and wouldn't take her ever
1: so his his sister had her so you say spun on a couple weeks like how how long would a meth uh run take
0: I never came down I did meth like I, I think I came down in like 72 hour increments. Cause there's a point where when you're high on meth, if you haven't gotten more meth, you're going to sleep. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're walking down this. I have like had to stop on the side of the road and lay down in the grass and just pass out for mm-hmm. six hours because, uh, there comes a point where if there's not meth in your system, you're going to bed. Yeah. Um, but I never. There was one point where a friend of mine got his throat cut by i think the feds and uh i took a 10-day break we went up to spangle washington and and hid out because it was very traumatic it was one of the first truly violent things i uh witnessed
1: you witnessed it
0: i cleaned up the blood we were hiding him out and, uh... Oh, my God. And the cops came to the house, and I was just... I had bright pink hair and a million different pigtails, and I was just... Uh, I wasn't fully out of my mind yet I guess I was because I was already I had told the dude not to leave the house because the aliens had told me something was gonna happen so I had already told him like don't leave the house and then I passed out and when I woke up he did something got in a high-speed car chase a cop died something crazy and then he hid out and then he came back to the house we were hiding him out the cops come to the door and I go outside it's not my house I didn't have a house the entire time I was on. and so I come out and I was like well you you have a warrant and they're like do you live here and I'm like I'm basically (laughs) 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 I live a lot I live wherever the drugs are um and I wouldn't let them in and they did not like me and then one of the girls that lived in the house made me go inside she talked to the cops I guess she made plans to get me out of the house because then she took me out shopping cops came in he either I don't know I never got to talk to him again he's still in prison but he his throat got cut whatever and so when I came, he didn't die he didn't die he was in the hospital for a long time after that but uh the blood there was so much blood there was so much blood and I I did clean up the blood and then was like I think I need a, a break maybe so I took 10 days that time and that's like a year and a half in
1: oh my god
0: a year and a half. In, God, that might not have been that long. Yeah, it was about a a year in. And then other than that, I never took another break till right before I got clean. So it was just, it was just constant.
1: Like seventy two hour cycles almost, if not longer. It was
0: constant and then when it's just your entire life, like time ceases to exist. It was just this pocket of probably overall about a hundred of us, but everyone's in and out of prison, everyone's and there's just everyone's milling around in different uh configurations. We and then you have the different types of criminals. Cause it's all run on this just uh, there was like identity thieves and then you had guys that robbed banks and then you had like violent people. and Then you had like, and so everyone's just kind of milling around in this community. But so I give my daughter to my sister-in-law like three weeks in, I'm like, I was raised by a tweaker. It's super dangerous. I'm not going to do this to her. And so I asked my uh, sister-in-law to adopt her. And once that process had I think I was three months in a meth and I like kind of weaned her off of me, which all made sense when I was on drugs. Awful to think back. But oh. I just thought like I'm protecting her from me and this is probably best. Anyway, I wasn't any good at being a mom. This chick's a great mom. I was so broken. I didn't realize like,
1: yeah, no, I know what you're saying.
0: And so I, uh, then I just go off the rails. Like my family didn't hear from me for years at a time. They thought I was dead. I was just completely, uh, in this lifestyle. And um, the CIA show. Okay, so some of this is like I don't know. I was I was on drugs. It appeared as if the CIA showed up and taught everyone how to do identity theft. Dudes who were not drug addicts just appeared into the scene with the DMV files and templates for Photoshop and taught tweakers how to do identity theft. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the CIA, but I'm saying it was the CIA. Um. So then that was the that was the whole I didn't do it because I didn't have any teeth. So like I'm not gonna go write a check. I mean, it's just yeah. very obvious that I just don't have a bank account. I think. Pretty apparent. So I survived as a spiritual advisor. Like that was the uh that was the for real? Yeah, that was my whole thing. After I talked to the aliens, I just had this like this great understanding of how uh you know how everything works yeah like uh self-dentistry and um i was batshit to be honest i have no idea why anyone kept me like i think back to the crime that people let me be a part one dude took me down to pick up 20 pounds of weed from mexico we're driving back up the coast and we stop at a rest stop, and this is one of my favorite stories. This is what this is the most meth story. We stop at a rest stop. I walk out, and there is a pillow, like a bedroom pillow, and a dead owl on top of it. And the dead owl, I shit you, is this big? Yeah, its f- talons are like the size of my hands. And it's just, but it's like warm, I don't know. And so I'm like, I need to keep this for sure. I need this because like an owl's my spirit animal.
1: Owl's my spirit animal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You see it one up there, over there. Yeah, I have owls everywhere. There's one owl over there. There's an owl at the top of the books. There's owls everywhere. Owls are my spirit animal, keep going.
0: All right, so I'm like, this is some type of confirmation of something. And so I go, I come walking back to the car with an owl, underneath my arm and a pillow in my hand and i just like now when i look back at everyone involved in this story and just think like how it must have been from their point of view yeah because you can see him squinting at me because his brain can't his brain's not like oh she has an owl you know he's just like what is she carrying and as i walk up i'm just i was so nuts that I was just like it's an owl it's my spirit animal it seems kind of dead but it's warm do they like hibernate and he's like you're not putting that in my car you're not putting a maybe alive owl maybe alive. look at the size of its claws we're gonna get mauled to death and I was like no no I got this and so I put it inside the pillowcase and tie it off like as if that's gonna save us if this fucking thing wakes up and he's like Okay, Jessa, if this owl wakes up and kills us, like starts mauling us, and we have 20 pounds of marijuana in the trunk of this car, we cannot have this owl. And I was like, I'm going to bring it back to life with meth. Because at the time, I believed that meth was sent to wake us up out of the video game and that it could do everything. I thought that if you gave meth to dead people, they would come back to life. Like I had a, a, like I was very pro meth and, uh, and maybe had an overdeveloped sense of, like I just really, I thought I was going to bring... The, I thought the owl showed up because... I'm not
1: certain meth couldn't bring someone back to life.
0: Right, okay, yeah. I'm not
1: certain, like that does make sense. Sadly, a lot of what you're saying clicks with me and I go, <laughs> I, I can understand <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> uh, I think I feed off of people thinking I'm nuts and I keep looking over at you and you're like, no, no, that's... <laughs> no, that's and that so was my spirit. Yeah.
1: This, this whole room's covered in fucking owls. All
0: right, do you, but so like you... Uh, if I found A an owl, freshly dead owl.
1: I definitely
0: could come back to life with meth.
1: I could, I could, you could, I could see that. I definitely, that was where I'd start was with yeah. now. I wouldn't start with a person. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Well, okay. So back then, th- okay, this is kind of my logic. Back then there was a lot of GHB happening at the bars. Uh, yeah. And if you put a shard of meth underneath someone's tongue while they, cause they would, you like die for a minute from GHB and then people would go to the hospital and they would do way too much intervention when you were to probably come out of the GHB near death thing anyway. Yeah. But it was getting the bars in trouble uh, because they were, it looks like they, they people have been overserved. Yeah. And so I had this like arrangement with a couple of the security guys, like, let me sell drugs here and I will take care of all your GHB overdoses. So I would just be slipping shards of, of meth into <laughs> some fucking <sighs> club idiot's mouth. Anyway, so my logic is the same thing. Like, I don't, I doubt that this owl... Uh, OD'd on GHB but a little adrenaline wouldn't hurt which is essentially what meth is so our first stop is in I think Eugene Oregon and we so there's this thing when you are hardcore in the drug world where you do have to internet or uh, interact with just straight potheads right straight potheads who sell larger quantities of weed have to deal with tweakers and junkies and shit because there's a lot of like when you're a drug addict, you have to do crime to support your habit. A lot because of cross you're not, pollination. You're not going to be clocking in at work, right? Yeah. So So uh, those the potheads that have to deal with us hate us though. Like they hated it, but yeah. it's a it's you have to. Because We have the good deals, right? Because nobody else is driving the pounds of weed. So we get to this guy's house. Oh yeah, that He's, makes total sense. Yeah. How the fuck?
1: No pothead's going to be. Uh, as uh, industrial enough to go I'll make the drive down to Mexico right. I'll dri-. but a couple tweakers you're like hey you guys can make it down to Mexico I remember the first time I ever did coke and someone was like we should get a pack of cigarettes and I was like eh and then we did a, a little bump of coke and I went don't worry I'll walk and get them yeah like like going like where, where do you want to get them North Carolina yeah. I'll get them in North Carolina <laughs> I can get them in North Carolina we were in, uh, we were in Louisiana at the time and I remember thinking I'll make a run in North Carolina get some cheap powers. ones yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you have to, or you're going to deal with like organized crime or something. Like yeah. when you get like when you're dealing with criminals, a lot of them are fucked up on drugs. So it was always funny to me. I was very self aware. The entire time, there are pictures of me doing tweaky shit, and there's just this look in my eye where I know how ridiculous. You what know I'm that doing
1: I looked is. all weekend for pictures of you when you were using meth.
0: Are you serious? And I could not find. There are one. fake ones because I have. They're fake the, ones. Uh, those are just dentures that I turned into tweaker teeth. But no, I'll show them. There's a there's a file on my Facebook called This Is your Jessa on meth.
1: That's I I looked all I was so fascinated by the story and it was so vulnerable was so honest and I was like and then I because our my wife's one of my wife's best friends I won't say her name but she, I'm sure she'll have her on her podcast and if she does I'd love to you for you to be there too. Yeah. Because she was addicted to meth. And I met her way after I met her like I met you and I could not see it in her. Like I didn't know where it was and she was like oh I'm re- I was really bad and In the process of us knowing her, she lost her teeth. Her teeth fell out afterwards. Oh, wow. And she had to get new teeth. But I don't know what she did. I don't know if she got dentures or if she got posts in. Yeah. I don't know what she did. But I remember going like, shut the fuck up. But this woman was so put together, still is so put together that you're like, I don't see it. Same as I I don't see it on you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot, like statistically, none of my, like very few of my friends should have gotten clean and everyone got clean. For real? um there are probably like four or five that are in and out of prison and stuff still but most of them are super smart have their lives put together own their own businesses and stuff it was just a weird pocket of tweakers that guys were the first
1: generation i think
0: there are like old school crank addicts and stuff and it was a long time before we mixed in with them We were... uh, I kind of started getting high with this group of kids that were just doing ecstasy, like club kids, like ravers or whatever. And then the party just got away from everybody. And But then everyone... I was one of the first to get clean. Uh, I was one of the only ones to end up not a felon. But uh, uh, almost everyone's clean now. Some of my closest friendships. I I, I work out with the guy that was my first meth dealer. Really? Uh, Yeah, I just... Uh, yeah, lots of uh, really close friendships. And I don't remember a ton of it. Like there, the owl story I had completely forgotten until someone brought it up. And then I... So I want to do at some point just like a comedy special that's just me at a table with everyone I did meth with while they remind me of all of the... Because uh, hor- I was be. in... I was not... Oh, so the, the owl guy. We walk into this 40-year-old... 40-year-old pothead's house. At, it's probably... Uh, 11 o'clock at night might have been later he's tired it's uh just a dorky pothead man cave in his garage right and you could tell he's already just wishes that he never had to talk to tweakers yeah and uh my friend mike sits down and they're doing the exchange i take one hit off the meth pipe which he's already uncomfortable with and i'm like i gotta go get the owl (laughs) And Oh, because the whole way we're driving there, every time we hit a bumper, there's a sound like Mike's turning around like, oh my God, you know, (laughs) uh, because he thinks he's about to get mauled at any minute by this owl. Uh, I'm like, I got to go get the owl. And we're sitting across the room on opposite couches, and then the pothead is in the middle. And Mike's like, do not do not go get that owl (laughs) and then you can see this dude's still telling this story for sure you can he's ping-ponging back and forth between us trying to figure (laughs) out go
1: get the owl he's like
0: what does she mean by owl and then i'm like i have to get the owl if i don't try to bring it back to life now it's going to be too late by the time we get back to portland And he was like is she talking about a literal so i get the keys and mike is like counting money and he's like god damn it jessa and then he just apologizes to the dude, just like, I'm sorry. Uh, but there's nothing he can do about it. You're not stopping me. Yeah. I walk in with a pillowcase. There's an owl talon coming out of the top oh of it. Oh, my God. And the dude who's just smoked a bowl of weed and is like already probably wigging out then watches me unpack the owl from the, the pillowcase where I take a huge hit of meth and then CPR it into the owl's mouth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Slowly the wings stretch
0: out. Its eyes blow open like a Furby, and then just smoke just comes out of its eyes. And then I'm like, it's working. And it's not. It's just I'm uh, pushing its eyes open. So then I'm I'm f- feeling under the feathers for like, where do you do the chest compressions? <laughs> Mike is so immune to my bullshit that he doesn't even look up while the pothead is just like what the fuck is happening so i go like three rounds of meth smoke with the oh with the owl and uh and pack it back into the pillowcase
1: (laughs) <laughs> like, oh I, feel,
0: I feel like i'm getting close but that wasn't <laughs> it and then uh mike is just like and i'm a like, why did you bring me on this trip this is yeah. i do this shit all day all oh. day this is what i do i'm like trying to find the cure for MRSA because tweakers get i'm like trying to make a salve out of oh, honey and cayenne. super bad it's super bad with tweakers so as we're leaving i remember hearing him like trying to Explain away like the, we didn't bring the like she found the owl you know like how, <laughs> yeah. there's a, you're not making it better like we picked up the owl on the way the owl was after oh. Tijuana, um we get back home and I weekend with Bernie's this owl for weeks like weeks at least two weeks and uh I like I, I take it places with me I. Takes so much more than my share of the (laughs) math so that I can try to. So, I need some for the owl. Uh, And finally, I leave the owl with him one day so that I can go run some errand. And uh, when I get back, he tells me, and this I believed until I told the story recently and was like, oh, why am I so fucking dumb? He was like, hey, I ran into (laughs) it. I ran into an owl shaman and uh, (laughs) she needed the owl. So, I traded it to her for some incense, which he bought the incense probably at 7-Eleven. Yeah. Uh, there are not owl shamans out looking for dead I owls. I so. Yeah. Uh, but I totally fell for it because there were some buzzwords. He probably just like went through some of my journals and was like, here's some <laughs> stupid shit that she'll fall for. And uh, definitely the owl ended up in a dumpster. He was just tired of watching me uh, put his meth into it. So, that was just kind of like a Tuesday for me. Oh, my God. On...
1: And during this time, do you have any contact with your daughter?
0: No, I did not. The last time I saw her was right after her fifth birthday. I did not see her again until she was 12.
1: Really? So wait, were you...
0: I got clean when she was 10. I contacted them. And... Because, like, they didn't want me to disappear. And I didn't admit that I was on drugs. I was just like, I'm a bad mom. You guys should do this. And they were like, come on. Um and then he the uh, my sister-in-law's husband would like deliver papers and uh there were a couple times in the course of the five years where at like five o'clock in the morning i'm tweaking on the side of the road and he would be like jessa and why are you like you're like come see your daughter yeah and i would be like okay and then i wouldn't i would like weirdly call on mother's day and be like happy mother's day and hang up on her and stuff uh it was we i really did think I was relationship with her now phenomenal.
1: Really? She's
0: um she's great. Yeah, I got her back when she was 14. I had to I had to fight a little bit to get her back. I had to wait until it was something that she wanted. Yeah. And then uh I, the nature versus versus nurture thing is crazy cuz her personality is so similar to mine. Really? And how is she now? 23, she just had her first child yeah. in March. Yeah.
1: Where is she at? Delaware Berlin? still. Oh, she's in Delaware? Yeah.
0: So if I can get something popping soon, then I'll, she'll move to like Arizona or something closer to me. But um, yeah, she is amazing. And really? so she was, she was with another great family, I think. and And I think she missed the worst of me. So, but her dad, like her real dad never got his shit together. And when I got her back, I was married. We just split up you're and you and your husband mm-hmm. and we, uh, but that's her dad. Like that's who raised her yeah. for the rest. And that, that, that'll be her dad. And you had two kids forever. with him. I had two kids with him, so How I old are th- they? eight and four, almost five, um, both girls.
1: And did you and the two girls move out here together?
0: Yeah. So we all, me, the two girls, my stepson and my uh, husband, we had already split up, but we were still living together. Okay. And so we moved to LA together. And then he just had like way more job opportunities and a girlfriend in Portland. And so it was like, why don't you just go to Portland? And if we can, I mean, ultimately the goal is to all live Communally, even though we're not together, yeah. But California was—it was easier for him to help with money from from
1: Portland. Did you? Did he have uh, substance problems? We
0: did meet on the streets. He was uh, for real. Yeah, he was my uh, uh, last boyfriend, and I actually got clean in uh meth piss the true story of me getting clean never worked i kept trying to uh, it was too clunky at the end so uh it got consolidated at the end what was the true story that i was like i gotta get out of here because this relationship is garbage and i put all of these things into place to have meth sent to me in in delaware where my where my dad was and then I was on the airplane and I was thinking like be realistic though Jessa you are gonna send these tweakers money they're gonna fuck off your money you're never gonna get your drugs if you do get your drugs are you just gonna do drugs with by yourself in Delaware you should just quit and then I was just like man all right I'll quit really yeah after I was uh by that point I was eating it and drinking my piss but before that I was shooting it up in my neck for years
1: oh my god um
0: my started shooting up like two years in and i don't like i've no veins i never have and so i would have to shoot it up in my neck which someone else would have to do it
1: because i can't do it
0: backwards in a mirror some people can i can't yeah and uh i already don't have great depth perception and i'm i have blind spots from staring at the sun while high on meth (laughs) (laughs) how many pins are we at
1: <laughs> by the way i'm like I, you know i'm just like I'm, I'm weaving along in this conversation going motherfucker.
0: i went to a phase where i was like well i was doing all this alien stuff yeah and where i was like everything we've been told is a lie yeah. everything so i have to go back and and examine everything we've ever been told and I was doing a lot of stuff with changing perspectives and what if like I would have loved this flat earth shit back then <sighs> like I'm I'm, I'm not believe in anything right so what if the sun isn't a ball of, of light what if it is the hole that leads to where we're from like whatever so and we don't know that because we never look at it so I'm going to look at it and I believe that that will cause enlightenment and so I went down to Pioneer Courthouse Square at noon in the summer and forced myself to stare into the sun for four hours
1: that's meth focus right there
0: it's so hard your body (laughs) no it's one of the hardest i've had two 10 pound babies at home in my life staring at the sun is the i did that to my teeth staring your body rejects it your body is like no we are not doing this and I just this is another thing where I'm like I would love to have been someone watching me I just wish if cell phones existed back then I would have just a YouTube channel dedicated to crazy shit that I have done in the in public because I'm I'm like clockwork oranging my eyes open while and like snots running down my nose I'm coughing I'm sneezing my my the the stomach The muscles in my stomach are like, like my body is trying to turn into a clamshell to stop me from doing it. Oh my gosh. And I persevered because I am (laughs) strong-willed when I am self-destroying. I don't know if I got more enlightened, but I did go completely blind. (laughs) For a couple days and then as it shrunk as the blind spot shrunk there was a phase where i could see your fa- if i was looking at your eyes i could see your face but you had no mouth which is real creepy when you're high on math uh oh just seeing meth. black
1: spots in people
0: it's not black spots so like if you look at the light bulb for a minute and then look away you know that oh no red no no, no. i do it with
1: meet and greets yeah meet so and that's, greets at the end of the meet and greets i'm just like I'm not seeing things.
0: Yeah. So the blue and red is what the... The blind spots now are like that big. Yeah. And But it's my macula is burned, which is your ability to see fine detail so even though you seem like you're clear to me if i'm watching a movie and it's like more than one brunette dude i can't tell them apart i always think that people are doppelgangers of someone else if you were like (laughs) not at like they have the same hair that's it because that's about what i can see um So I, what was I, why was I saying I was blind? Why you didn't shoot
1: up meth in your neck? Why I
0: didn't shoot up meth in my neck. I've never had great depth perception either. So people would like miss and i figured out i had read something about native americans using wet tobacco to draw out poison from spider bites so then i figured out that wet tobacco would pull the meth out because like if you miss a vein it will like rot inside of you and you end up in the hospital with abscesses i never did that that's how you get abscesses Mm mm-hmm yeah, so like people would end up with... So at this point, I decided I was a, a holistic health practitioner and I ran a holistic health... That Then that was my hustle. I was a spiritual advisor, but I was also the person that could fix your abscesses, oh that would work God. on your MRSA. I you spent just, a lot of time... You,
1: you were reading... You must have been reading a ton.
0: I read a lot, yeah. Everyone, like everyone's tweak, You can t- I, you can tell what people's core insecurity is or core motivation is by how they react on meth so very like insecure people self-loathing people will just sit in a mirror and pick their face because that's oh essentially God. what they're doing inside of themselves um
1: uh, i would probably trim my mustache yeah yeah probably just like i always used to think that's why hitler had such a tight mustache is because he was they were giving him meth or they were oh, giving me amphetamines. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that makes that makes total <laughs> yeah, sense. Oh my
0: God. I was like the chicks that over plucked her eyebrows. Yeah, that's Hitler's eye. mustache. Holy shit.
1: Yeah. And so I probably do that. I probably would work out like crazy. Yeah. I My dad, my dad, I'm careful about how I say this, but my dad had a run of amphetamines where the doctors had prescribed them for him to lose weight. He was like, these weight loss pills are amazing. And then one Easter, I flew home Sunday for Easter and I was, I was drunk. I was tired and I wanted to take a nap. We had to go to a party and my dad's like, buddy, just take one of my pills. It'll clear you right up. And I took it and I'm like, oh, dad, you're on amphetamine. (laughs) And he was like, is that what it is? I go, yeah. I go, you ever notice you're not hungry? And he's like, yeah, not hungry. I could peel the skin off a grape though. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's amphetamines, dad. Oh my God. He's like, well, they're great.
0: Oh my, people being accidentally addicted to a drug is fast. My sister was addicted to black tar heroin. And when I, when I showed up after not seeing her for six months and was like, are you a junkie now? And she said, no, no, I've been doing a lot of opium. And I'm like, uh, how you been doing the opium? That's the clean, the clean sister. Uh, yeah.
1: The one that you, you pissed in her bathroom. Yeah, yeah she was and how and how did yeah, that happen? she was
0: just a pothead who was doing uh do just do, do an opium which i would have try, tried yeah. to you know because we were taught like our mom was an addict so we were taught like crack crack and uh heroin those are life sentences i never did either of those drugs i would watch people do crack and i was like seems like whippets
1: yeah seems oh like, yeah really
0: seems like whippets but y'all act a, just slightly dumber uh i'm good i'm That's good interesting
1: i never really got into whippets the way i had friends get into whippets yeah. Although we used to um, huff glade.
0: Yeah, but all that that huff. I had to, my little crew at like fifteen of wannabe gangsters. The kid that huffed stuff, he went brain dead. He was brain dead by the time I everyone wonder, else was should have been graduating high school.
1: I wonder uh, what psychological effects that all that partying had on me. With like, because I have anxiety and I'm a little OCD and like, and I guess I yeah. was probably like that when I was younger. But I wonder if it exacerbated it to a point where you're like, now I'm fucking 45 and I lay in bed. I wake up at four in the morning with panic attacks every morning, just going like, huh, it's halfway over. Oh fuck. Yeah. Like I wonder, like something that fascinates me about you that I can't deal with is like when you go, yeah, I just, uh, I just cut my teeth out. I I have like a something going on with one of my back teeth. And I think they're just going to pull it out. And then I go, on oh, no, I'll lose it forever. Almost like losing a limb. And then yeah. I go, it's like a, it's like a morning. Like when I started losing my hair, there was this intense mourning for like my mortality. Like, Oh, an, an awareness of mortality. Yeah. And I guess when you do meth and you're like, well, fuck it. That's just,
0: I don't, I think it's, uh, uh, I think it's more to do with like the life philosophy that came from the alien stuff. Because I definitely like my uh, my experience on meth is not what anyone else's experience really on meth. like. I was surrounded by people who constantly wanted to go to detox and that wanted to quit and that talked about how great their life was before, and I just felt like. You should give me the rest of your meth because you're wasting it. Like, I don't, yeah. I can't imagine getting high on meth and then talking about how great not meth is. Like, this is fantastic. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I never tried to quit, I never thought about quitting. I, <clears throat> But then this idea that life isn't real, and that it's a video game, and that we are here just to experience the good, like good and bad don't exist, right and wrong don't exist, uh, male and female don't exist, like these are all just like constructs of this game that we're playing, and that you get to decide what the game is, and that none of it is real, and there are no real consequences uh You know, other than the results of your decisions and the things that you've chosen to experience, but that everything bad you've ever experienced in your life was a was a choice that you made to experience that. And then you think about when you play video games, right? So you wouldn't play a video game. Uh, What do we play video games at? we play like war and all this crazy stuff? That would be trauma trauma in real life But for some reason we're drawn to that and it just changed my perspective on Before that I was super uh, resentful about my childhood and had all these issues about my mom and then now
1: this almost defends that
0: it just Justifies it. changed the it changed the narrative, and I was like, "Oh, I came here to experience that." It is not good or bad. It is what happened the day that I died, and what the blue light said was that I had I came, I learned everything I came to learn, and I did everything I came to do. And what had happened that day was that I was like counseling some uh, twit that was fucking my ex at a party because she was crying over him. And I was like, listen, nothing in your life, good or bad, can affect you unless you allow it to. It is a decision. Things are going to happen. How it affects you is a decision that you make. You get to decide how to write that story. And then I remember just being like, where am I coming up with this bullshit? Also, is this true? And so as I'm talking to her, I'm running me getting molested as a kid. I'm running me getting uh, neglected by my mom. I'm running getting cheated on. And And I'm going through here and I'm like, yeah, that was a decision. I did, those things sucked. But you see people every day who uh, let a tiny thing break them and people who let a gigantic, like who, who overcome these things. You see these people who have uh, yeah, seen this awful uh, adversity in their life and they overcome it and, you, and, and I'm like, so it is a decision. Like things happen, it's a decision how you deal with it and that I had this paradigm shift that night and my perception of the whole world changed. And then I passed out, foamed at the mouth, pissed myself at a dance club, ended up in the hospital and talked to this blue light. And then after that, everything just, just changed. I just, so for the whole rest of the thing, I re- I was like taking in information constantly and running it through this filter and, and having these, uh, these Almost psychedelic experiences where I'm talking to beings. I called them the aliens because it's funny. I mean, they were aliens, but not like a UFO didn't come down, you know, but yeah. like uh, ether beings, whatever. And it, before that, I was very anxious. And, and dep- I mean, I, the drugs changed things quite a bit, but in my youth, I was very anxious, depressed, uh, had a lot, spent a lot of time with that voice. That, uh, that voice that tells you that nothing's going to work out and no one loves you and no one cares about you. That's right, yeah. yeah. He was,
1: he was crossing the street with me today. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we, I have been talking so much about that voice because that voice has made a comeback after... I have been happy, just happy. Getting clean was amazing. It was a great experience. I built a new life. I lived a relatively calm life for me you know, I'm someone who's usually just out making giant mistakes so, uh, for the story or whatever. Yeah. I kind of uh, lived below the radar for a, a, over a decade and only just recently started uh, being Jessa again. But uh, in the last year, I've had more anxiety and depression, and I've been spending entire weekends in what I would describe as a room with no windows and no doors inside of myself. Where now this voice is back, and uh, with nothing nice to say. Nothing. And because I, there's definitely different voices, and I'm always trying to like. There's di- you got the ego, right? You got the ego that's like always yeah. caught up in some dumb shit. Yeah, it's, it it gets real big you and open loud.
1: Open the door there, yeah. fucking stretch. <laughs> hey, why don't you turn on the fan? Just turn on the fan. We can do both. Really. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> we can do both. Open both doors. And by the way, if if a fan is distracting you from this podcast, you're not listening at all. <laughs> oh, it feels so much nicer oh, in here. yeah. Oh, why didn't we do this the whole fucking time? Did you watch Legion? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. What is no it? No
0: one saw that show. It's so great. All right. So in Legion, uh, it's like a superhero show. And... Uh, anyway aubrey plaza's in this show and she plays his best friends who later is uh the character though is this um extension of himself but she is
1: let me google it and see if i know what you're talking
0: yeah, about yeah it came out like last year it's so cr- it was so good and i can't, nobody watched it
1: l-e-g-i-o lisa mattresses came up <laughs> as a sponsor of the podcast uh, Legion. It's not coming up. I wonder if my Wi-Fi is out. Oh, here we go. I did not see this. It's good?
0: Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's on, uh, okay. I want to say Hulu. Is it a TV show? Yeah, it's a series.
1: Legion is an American cable television series based on the Marvel char- char- character Legion. It's connected to X-Men. The first television, let's see what the plot is.
0: They won't tell you who she is anyway, but she is just the best example. He's a
1: mutant diagnosed with schizophrenia at a young age, right?
0: Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah, Um, it's because there's so much, so much like subtext about our relationship with consciousness, which is like what I
1: uh, think about. I've been terrified of schizophrenia my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, because my uncle was schizophrenic and I and I the I, the couple times that I've gone too far on drugs yeah schizophrenia has kind of taken over a tad bit yeah and I had one instance I, I think I write it off as a panic attack now but I have one instance in college where I could not stop hearing people shout at me and it made me crazy and I was got in the shower to make it stop and it wouldn't stop and I don't know how it stopped I don't remember how it stopped but I remember I woke up later and it was over and I, and it fucking shook me where I was like, okay, so that's, that'll happen every now and then we got to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: Were they shouting specifically at you or just noise? When
1: I was a kid, I used to have, um, I, I think they're panic attacks. Now I think they're panic attacks. When I was a kid, Johnny, I'd watch Johnny Carson every single night, Johnny Carson, David Letterman, and Johnny Carson would sometimes yell at me. Like, he'd be shouting at me at the top of his lungs, and his head would get real small. And I'd be like, okay, how do I make this stop? And then I'd try to wake up my dad and be like, dad, I think I'm I think I'm think losing my mind. And he'd be like, go to bed. You're not losing your mind. Just go to bed. Close your eyes and go to bed. And I'd wow. get back in bed, and i just, to this day, I haven't had one of those experiences, kind of. When you talk about that, by the way, I'm sharing way more than I fucking would ever normally share and I share a lot on this podcast yeah but I don't ever talk about that dark that windowless room and I yeah. and I had it this past weekend and I've had it a few times I've had it a few times and I'm when I'm sweating in a bed and I'm just like and I and I don't see a way out of this and I'm just like I'm like, I never, I'm not suicidal at all. Never would I ever think about suicide. But you're just like, so how do I write this boat? How do I get out of this place? Yeah. So I don't know how to get out of it. And then my brain will go, Bert, you're smarter than this. You're bigger than this. You can do this. And then I'll be like, yeah. And then I'm like, no. And luckily, both times it happened this weekend, I got on stage. And getting on stage got me out of it. And then I was fine. But I've I know what you're talking wow. about.
0: I, uh... I hadn't heard from that voice in so long and I think I I thought I beat it or I think I thought it was synonymous with the ego. I know definitely our thoughts and this is something I learned while on meth. We think everything that pops in our head is our own thoughts and that there's just one one stream of consciousness. I think that wherever we truly exist uh, that there are multiple. That there's a the uh, multiple things happening in there, and yeah. it's hard to say that without it sounding crazy. But I think yeah. there's definitely the ego. There's what I call the small the small voice. And I oh, have that's so
1: funny. Oh, that's so funny. I hope anyone in my crew. I used to have uh, uh I used to have big brain, little brain. Really, big brain, little brain. Little brain would woke there's a perfect example. One time, I thought I had uh, face cancer. Long story. <laughs> uh, I was in Italy. We were in a uh, in a big villa in Florence and uh, this is exactly how Little Brain and Big Brain worked I'm at dinner and Big Brain notices it before dinner and he's like He's like, you gotta fucking bring it up to somebody. You gotta bring up somebody and say, is this cancer? You know it's cancer, but you need someone to clear it for you. And I'd be like, do you guys see this little thing? And they're like, what do you think, that's cancer? And Big Brain's like, told you, fucking told you. Yes. And then Little Brain's like, hey man, don't, just have a drink and relax. It's, you're fine, you're fine. And Big Brain's like, shut up, faggot. What are you talking to him like that yep. for? And then Little Brain's like, fine, fine. If you don't want me to talk, I won't talk. And then I went to bed that night, woke up, and you hear Little Brain go, hey man, don't look in the mirror, just get in the shower. And I was like, yeah, good call. Get in the shower. You're totally fine. You're not dead today. You're, you're alive. We can do this. And then you're getting you're taking a shower. And then you take a shit. Hey, man, let's make a cup of coffee. And as you make the coffee, all of a sudden, Big Brain wakes up. He's like, hey, have we looked in the mirror yet? And I'm like... <laughs> hey. And the little brain's like oh why did we wake him up why do we wake him up and big brain's like wait how long have you guys been awake you guys have been awake for how long he ever looked in the fucking mirror look in the mirror we're gonna be fine and then you look in the mirror and big brain's like told you it's cancer but yeah I had big brain wow
0: on brain. yeah so yeah so a lot of people don't know the difference so if you can like just listen to middle brain or little brain it takes so long to like shut big brain so like I I have like systems in place to uh pacify the ego like comedy is just oh. to pacify the ego like here you go everyone thinks you're amazing shut the fuck up i know how to like shut it down when it gets bruised or hurt uh, i don't know how to i spend I've a been lot doing of time it tw- almost
1: 20 years and i don't know how to
0: it's uh it's it, it takes um I learned a lot about trying to kill the ego. I wanted to kill the ego. And then I read this great thing from Osho, actually, I think, which is the guy who had that cult, the the Wild Wild Country or whatever. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. (laughs) About stop trying to kill it and destroy it and treat it like a loud roommate. And just don't see it for what it is, which it's just... It's the like the alien said that basically you get a uh, you get a body to play. You're playing like do you know anything about video games? Yeah. You're yeah. playing first person shooter. Yeah. Uh, you actually exist role playing game. You are strategizing and creating. you the little the little brain is up here deciding what you want to experience and creating it. But then you are experiencing it through this physical body and this physical body has an artificial intelligence and that artificial intelligence is the ego and uh it is loud and dumb and and uh uh gets its feelings hurt very easy and should not be in charge it's fun to experience like first person shooters more fun it's more exciting but it shouldn't be in charge when you have this this one
1: right here oh my god i by the way i've done so much work on this really yeah because because uh i it i'm going to fuck this up my i want to call my therapist because i i have a really low self-esteem and like i know people would never think that but i do i just and i have negative thoughts constantly constantly i think a lot of things a lot of superficial things are, are attached to my self-esteem but one of the things that i was obsessed with was ego id and superego yeah so i think this is the way oh, i got to call my fucking therapist cuz he, he i don't want to fuck it up because it was a really great Ugh. 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 i'll share you i'll share with you off camera what i'm thinking about <laughs> my therapist <laughs> called me i'm gonna i want you would think of a therapist would answer <laughs> That's a, well you call your therapist it's gotta be an emergency right
0: yeah it's gotta be an emergent podcast
1: yeah he better pick up let's just role play i'm in a bad spot i need your help have reached the office for Dr. Fuck yeah. <laughs> hey, make sure you edit his name out, okay? Make sure I didn't even realize I did that. Make sure you edit his name out. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was uh, the, it was all based on Spock, Kirk, and Jim. Hmm. So like my super ego is Jim. Oh, we're all going to fucking die. We're going gonna, gonna to push it to warp speed. Uh, my ego is Kirk going, going, uh, going, that does it we can make it we can make it. he's like the correct and, yeah. then, and then it is spock going guys there's a logical resolution to this yeah but yeah i i maybe I, now i'm feeling like one hit of meth might really set me straight with my theories
0: yeah it doesn't uh, <laughs> uh with everyone have that effect i can't stop thinking about like this is all i've thought about or talked about over the last because i have spent almost every weekend i moved to la in january and i uh am not on the road as much as i was before and i have spent no less than two weekends a month locked in my physical bedroom while locked in this room with no windows and no doors and it's almost like childhood trauma has my so like my podcast is like a fun is like a is it me and a mormon and it's a funny
1: who do you do your podcast with
0: uh aaron woodall it's called Mormon in the Meth Head. Okay. And it's, uh, so it's a very funny podcast about trauma, basically. And it's a lot of like us working through uh, trauma. It's not what we thought it was going to be, but it was what it ended up being. And so part of me thinks like, okay, but we're stirring up a lot of this stuff with the podcast. Yeah. But I, it's me in this voice. So the first time this voice came back that I haven't heard from this voice in over a decade and the first time this voice showed up i just thought it was me and i was uh uh, i had feelings for someone we were kind of trying to make something work and uh he he would come close and then back off and then while he was backed off this voice shows up and is like uh he's just using you like he is obviously using you he is gonna ditch you the second and i've always been a very hard person that Will destroy you if you hurt me. And I've always thought that was great about myself. Like I have this fear of rejection that has served me so well because if you try to get to the door, I will chop your head off and beat you to the door. And it has gotten me out of abusive relationships and it has gotten me away from people that weren't good for me. And uh, I thought it was a great thing, but now here's this mechanism showing up when nothing's wrong other than someone needs some space and I'm left alone with this voice, which I think is my own thoughts i think it's my own self-preservation because i haven't heard from this voice in so long so it doesn't stand out as uh as nefarious as it was and so by the time he makes his way back around there's a couple days but that's 300 years in jessa time i am completely in the rafters and i am going to hurt you now because i feel like i have to protect myself and it's all bullshit it's all just a complete illusion and so i heard him and only in that moment uh in that day where he finally says i don't feel safe like you're hurting me Uh, Something clicks there and then I flash back to people I've hurt in the past who have had to say similar things and I'm like whoa what the I'm like very self aware I'm very uh, introspective I've spent years and years and years working on myself I, I consider myself to be and then what was this very clearly acting out. And then my relationship with that voice changed Because in that moment I was like that, Why did I do that And I go back And I'm like what, what triggered me to do that And it was the sensation That you brought me here And you left me oh, geez. And then I go back To relationships where I've hurt people Because I felt like you brought me here And you left me And then I realized like Oh I felt abandoned And then you can go all the way back to my mom Who didn't Who was just high But my childhood felt like I, I felt abandoned my, you know, and I a lot of bad things happened while she was on drugs. So I start working through this and then uh, almost like I pick a fight with this voice and now I'm trapped in this room. It, I feel like I'm in the fetal position on the floor and it's standing over top of me yeah. and it's saying awful things while a movie plays of everything I'm afraid of and Jesus. on the wall and I am and I'm just stuck in it. There's no escape, I try to like, and no one's available, like weirdly, like the the universe conspires to make sure that I don't leave this space until I play it through. And it's just me versus this voice until this voice becomes so obviously something separate for me that the last time I heard from it, I finally ended up after like making great plans to act out and putting myself on all kinds of restrictions. When I'm under the influence of this voice, I will not take any action. I will not confront anybody. I I will write notes to people that I feel like are for them and then read them to myself as if they were written to me. This
1: is, by the way, I, 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 I hope that people are listening, going, I, I hope that people are listening, understanding that this is real. It's not. It's not imagined. It's not narcosis. It's not like because I have said to myself, I hear voices about stuff where yeah. I say, "Oh, dot 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 dot," and and then I my I have made rules with myself that I cannot take action. By the way, wow. on the very simplest thing of like of like uh of like something on the internet, like a guy today tweeted some very obvious uh uh fucking self-congratulatory liberal post and i'm not going to call him out on it he tweeted out how liberal his writing staff was and how they're all so super liberal but they're all white dudes and i thought i thought hey man maybe think before you throw a glass rock or think before you throw a rock in a glass house yeah because you're and you're all liberal but yeah you have that it's called white privilege that's why you get to be liberal yeah I didn't say I didn't say there were two black guys on the writing staff you can do your math and find out who that is yeah but like <laughs> like but I was like you're 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 so many people are and then I said and then I went don't take action on this I think these thoughts all the time yeah don't take action on this this guy doesn't dislike you he doesn't know you he doesn't hate you why are you taking offense to this stop disconnect and here I am right now speaking it out loud I'm breaking my rule but I'm not telling you what show it was, but, yeah. but like I do never take action. I ne- like I, I say, that's one of the things cause I've known I've spun out of control. Right. I know I've, i know I have the ability to send one text followed by another one, followed by a crazy one, followed by one that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Followed by one that goes, are you, it's, and then I go, don't text anybody. Don't email anybody. The, right. These are crazy fucking thoughts. You're playing a movie on someone else. So wait, wait, hold on. So is this is this voice connected with addiction at all?
0: Uh, I just had this conversation last night. I think that it manifests different for different people. I don't. I don't believe myself to be an addict. In like I know what the disease of addiction is, and I know people that have it. I have a weird relationship with that.
1: So funny you say. Oh God damn, I feel like I'm being my spirit animal right now. Oh. I uh I, we have a, f- a couple friends who. Uh, are legit struggling with addiction. I think everyone would just call me an alcoholic without, yeah. without just a real, real super broad stroke to do. Um, I and I nor my wife think I'm an alcoholic, nor my therapist, nor my family, which I guess are the most important people, but I do drink a lot and I do go on to benders and I do fucking spin out or my wife calls it fire hot. All that does happen to me. But when you witness someone who's really struggling with addiction, you're like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I I don't know that. Yeah, like, I, that's different than what I got. Like it's I got a something, different
0: monkey. for I got sure. something
1: bad. Yeah, like whatever I got is not great. I'm sure it's just mental health shit. Like I'm sure it is me putting band aids on a on a on on obsessive compulsiveness or, or anxiety or or like I you know I I have pretty bad anxiety and flying. I don't like flying. I don't just don't like fucking flying. Right. And I, pills were not healthy for me. Booze seemed to be a good workaround. Yeah. But uh you think you're
0: self-medicating the anxiety with booze? I
1: know I definitely am. Okay. I by the way, I I can promise you I would seldomly drink if I lived in LA, like lived here. I would seldomly drink. I would so seldomly i probably wouldn't drink at all if i lived in la
0: if you weren't on the road you mean yeah because hmm. i get
1: what i, t- I mean i think i maybe i just said this or i'll say this but like i drank last night because i did a podcast with joey diaz and you know every, he's smoking ropes of marijuana and i'm in the middle of all the smoke and right. if i allow myself to not if i don't smoke and i'll start having anxiety i'll just be like i'm you're being quiet bert and so i'm like have a couple beers lighten up couple beers come back uh, a couple Tito's and sodas. Sleep. Not, not a lot of booze for the B-Man. Right. I won't drink tonight. Uh, I won't drink tomorrow night. And then Thursday, I will feel phenomenal. Like we were talking about. Yeah. I feel phenomenal. And then I get on the plane. I'll, it'll happen before I get on the plane. I'll work out Thursday morning in here. I'll take a shower. And I'll start having a fucking intense sense of dread. Just like dread and uh, my daughters won't be here and I'll make a double Tito's and soda for the ride to the airports, so I think. Because I've done it where you don't make the drink and you get caught in traffic and you don't get to have a drink before you get on the plane and that's a fucking nightmare. So I'm I'm just, oh, fuck.
0: So the dread, are you afraid of flying? Oh,
1: horrifically. And the dread also can add into that voice. With, yeah. Like without without any anxiety, there's uh, that voice is pretty silent. It has been screaming these last two days like screaming like fucking deafening when i walked across the street this morning to go get my juice it it said the most mean thing to me and i went i and then i went wait why are you doing this this is just you bert no one thinks this why would you say that to yourself i would never say that to anyone and i was like and I got, and then I was like, turn this around, man. How do you turn it around? And I just, and that voice is just right in my ear, just big brain, just saying nasty shit to me. Oh, and I'm, and then, and I talked to my wife about it before she left. And, she, and by the way, she's going to do, you know, Paul Gilmartin?
0: Uh, yeah, I just did that podcast. Um,
1: Mental health mm-hmm, happy hour? Meta, yep. My wife's going to do that. And oh, I, wow. And I said, just so you know, like, I'm fair game. If you want to talk about anything, uh, she goes, I already knew that. Like, yeah, she was like, yeah, I definitely, I'm not the broken one in this relationship. If he wants to talk about you, I'm going to be very candid and honest. Yeah. And I was like, oh the,
0: God. I, I, the stuff he pulled out of me, I was like, cause I don't talk about anything, but the stuff that I just hadn't, uh, mental health stuff from when, when I was a kid. And then this was, uh, the last weekend I had with this voice Yeah. Uh, where I finally was just like, you're not real. And it like, like it exploded in that room. And I haven't. I feel like any minute I'm gonna end up going back there. You know, I feel like myself trying to prevent ending up back there, but I haven't. It's been
1: gone. Now did now did um, like when you went sober, do you were probably did could you smoke pot, drink, or do anything?
0: So what happened was I went. Uh, I moved across the country. I decided on the airplane to get clean. I um, I moved in with my dad, who at the time I think had seven years sober. And my dad was also an addict. and Far more functioning than my mom.
1: Now, are you just had a side, uh, left sidebar. How far ahead of this are you with your kids? You're like, hey, guys, just so you know, we got this.
0: Like, uh, now in life?
1: Like, like in life, were you like, okay, my mom, my dad, me... My sister's smoking black tar heroin.
0: Yeah, so we know that the the addiction runs in the family, and my oldest wanted to go out. So I'm very honest about drugs. I think a, a, big, very, problem, yeah. a, a big problem is uh, lumping in pot with other drugs. I think yeah. when you tell your kids that pot and heroin are the same things, they're going to try pot, and you will have shot your credibility.
1: Might as well have anal sex.
0: Yes, and I never tried heroin. I was yeah. around heroin all the time you can die from heroin. You can't die from meth. I would have never tried. You meth. can't die from meth really difficult. You have to have like a pre-existing heart condition yeah, yeah, yeah. or like you know, so I supposedly someone's lung everyone. I know that died from meth got shot. Um, <laughs> I or got like hot shot like yeah. po- like oh, intentionally yeah, 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 yeah. Poisoned or whatever. I don't I have lost 40 friends since I've been clean. It, because they were heroin addicts that went back out oh yeah um i uh yeah so i'm very honest about drugs what every single drug does what exactly it feels like so my daughter went out and partied a little bit did some pills did some whatever but had a, had a, like a strong awareness and i don't see evidence of the disease like the disease of addiction feels like a vacuum Yeah, when you're around it and when someone with the disease of addiction is uh
1: that's interesting it feels like a vacuum it feels like a vacuum like energetically
0: their vibe feels like a vacuum to me and whenever uh when you take drugs and alcohol out of it you watch other things get sucked up into it for a minute like it takes them a long time to learn how to uh you know is gambling sex whatever and then Uh, And then it'll go dormant for a little bit And then you watch it stir back up I have never had any of that experience To me I just felt like I did I did it as long as I wanted to do it. Then I got bored and I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. By the time I quit meth, I only did meth. I would do like psychedelics, which I have a heart like. I don't firmly believe that they are the same thing as drugs. I
1: don't think they are either. Um, I don't think they are either. I would definitely like because I, I, I have done just about everything. I haven't done meth. I haven't done I've done for like pharmaceutical heroin. You know, just pills. Yeah, like Dilaudid or whatever. Um, but I haven't. I I've done a lot. And I, it's so funny, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not honest with my daughters. I'm, by the way, I am just realized I'm saying that as the doors are open. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not honest with my daughters. I wouldn't want them to do any drugs. I wouldn't want them to need to get high to throw a frisbee, even though I do. Yeah. I need to get high to throw a frisbee. That yeah. makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want them to have to experience anything that I had to experience, even psychedelics, even though I know that a psychedelic experience can be so enriching to your spirit I still would go just don't do it like in my head I agree with what you're saying yeah I'm
0: very pro psychedelics but it's this weird thing where I think someone with the disease of addiction should not do anything like should not risk throwing that equilibrium off at all because it is such a it, it is such uh that voice is very difficult for addicts so i get i get to delaware my dad takes me to some meetings and i had crippling social anxiety like i i wasn't like this before drugs i was very outgoing i was someone that you could put in any room and i talked to every stranger and i get clean and i don't know if it was because of living that long outside of society or just the chemical imbalance of of doing meth that long and quitting but I couldn't I got a job as a as a banquet server which is like you're you don't talk to the customers at all and then I tried to work in the uh, a la carte restaurant and would walk up to tables and couldn't talk it was really awful awful and it changed my entire life because I was this very outgoing person and now I couldn't and I was terrified and so I was kind of a little bit lonely and my dad took me to a, an AA meeting and I was like, no, this isn't it. I don't really want to do this. And at one point he was like, cause I was like, well, I'll drink probably at some point. I didn't drink the whole time I was on meth, but then he, he took me to a bar to play pool. And he said, this doesn't bother you, does it? And I was just not drinking cause I was coming off of meth, which is, I didn't want to add a downer to that. So even like freshly off of meth, i had i didn't have a desire to use i was like able to be like no i'm not going to add a downer to this already downer yeah Uh, it feels like you're in a vice when you're coming off of meth for like a month it's just like uh that like uh, it's like uh you're you're just being pressured and it's you can't stay awake and I was like I'm not going to add alcohol to this but I thought I would drink afterwards and then he was and then I remember thinking oh I can't drink okay whatever like I the whole thing was just like man I'm all right I'm done yeah and so I get I get into the program and I loved it because I had a place where I Like the very first person that shared Was like god my PO's being a cocksucker And I was like oh god I'm home Like yeah. people that I understand they speak my language I feel so uncomfortable and out of place Everywhere else and so I just Went gung ho with it but the whole time I was Like I don't I don't feel this desperate need." Like I just did it until I didn't feel Like doing it and I don't feel like doing it so like I don't do it if I wanted to use I would Use but then I just thought Like what am I going to get too sober? You know, like what is it? Like, it's going to, like, it's not going to hurt me. And so i just stayed in the program i was like you know i did like who knows maybe there's a part of me somewhere in the back just waiting for me to think that i can use in moderation or something and then sneak in. but i don't use because i don't like i don't want to i just don't i don't have the desire it took it was a lot of work to learn how to socialize without alcohol and how to because i a lot of things i never had had sex while sober well, i either. never you know oh, yeah. i Still. never i never did stand up it was it was so hard to learn how to do stand up without really? a drink That was the... I was like, I'll never do stand-up again because I can't do a shot of vodka or something to take the edge off. Learning how to do that without alcohol. uh, Once I had learned all that, it was like, I don't know if I'm an addict or not, but like, I'm not gonna like now incorporate a crutch when yeah. I've had to learn how to do all this stuff without it. I'm and I'm ha- I'll drink a Red Bull or a, a five hour energy at the bar and have fun with the comics that are drinking, you know? Yeah. And uh, so my relationship with addiction, I don't think I do think I've, I've, I've dealt with a lot of mental health stuff in my life. Uh, they thought I had borderline personality disorder when I was a teenager. Uh, which we're not even supposed to say I don't think when you're a teenager I did a lot of uh, dissociation There was a period My my name as a kid was Jessica And after getting abused And everything else uh, There was a point at like 14 Where I changed my name to Jessa It was like 12 Changed my name to Jessa And had a very distinct break With Jessica really? It was like I'm not her She's weak I'm putting her in a box she let all this shit happen no one will ever hurt me again and i think a lot of what this last year has been for me is that she's coming back uh for her uh, you know I, it's it's time to reconcile all these pieces of myself and with her comes uh me having to face this this voice and a lot of like walls that i built up that have served me so well it's time for them to come down
1: well yeah cuz everything's all it's uh it's so funny, <laughs> it's so funny that I'd run into you on this day of my life. Yeah. But like I have, uh, I have a lot of old habits, and I have a lot of uh, a lot of things happening better in my life now that have ever, never happened. And t- t- when I was having that conversation with my wife, she was like, "The universe is speaking to you, and these are all coming to a head right now because of all the things happening for you, and you need to make a decision on: Are you brave enough to face them by yourself, or are you going to fall into old habits? Are you going to do?" old things wow and i was like and i was like i was like yeah I'm, I'm, it's, like, it's a little complicated but i'm like okay I, I think i can do both and she was like i don't know can you and so tomorrow the girls go to camp and me and my wife are working all day but it's like it's not work it's i think it's working on me wow my wife's a pretty bad bitch.
0: career i would love to meet her Career oh, she, stuff. You go,
1: she'll be here career stuff my wife so my wife will rent hotel rooms and we will go for the day and we'll work all day. Yeah. Uh, but then the stuff, when, when we take our break, it's like, it's almost like she can't help it, but she starts breaking down what's wrong with me and like what? how we can work on this. And she's just a, like, I came home hot this weekend. Like yeah. real hot. And she uh, was not, she was very cognizant of it. Yeah. And she was like, uh, she was like, and I'm planning on doing something. I'm planning on doing like a big tour from like January until like June, that will go in theaters from like it'll go uh, in North America, um, Europe, and then Australia. Whoa! And but the way my the way my I cope with stress is in chaos and almost this like weird we talked about it a little bit on the beginning of a podcast, but this weird like, victimed artist, like it it soothes me. Yeah. And like, like I walked into a theater uh, the other day and I was hungover and I wasn't feeling good and I was having all these bad thoughts and I couldn't stop them and I was like, yeah, this is how you walk into a theater as an artist. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, like, Bert, don't do that. And like, like it was just weird, like almost like the, the self-destruction I, I embrace. I know that I can trust it. Yeah. You know?
0: Oh, I remember in the night cause there was a self-destructive, a very self-destructive part of me. And I remember in the nineties when behind the music was a show. Yeah. And I remember I would, I would get <sighs> so drunk on stage that uh i once forgot i was because i was a host at a comedy club i once was so shit-faced that i forgot to come back in middle of the show so the feature was up there just yelling my name i'm outside trying to smoke a cigarette i remember uh tribble had to follow me around on an entire run because i was getting so hammered on stage that i would just kind of start to trail off uh I, and I remember sitting in my hotel rooms though after shows and watching Behind the Music and this, the plot for Behind the Music was always the same thing. Here's this brilliant person yep. who wanted to be a star their whole life, they finally get it and they self-destruct. And I remember just like resonating with that identity oh, and dude. just feeling like this is the mask that I will wear, this is who I am, I'm gonna be so good at this part.
1: Oh, what the fuck? I, I had an obsession with Shannon Hoon. Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon was like my guy. Oh, wow. Because he was just this broken artist and he, but he was so talented and he always fucked up. But even in his fuck ups, it was brilliant. Even when, when he was fucked up and the day Kurt Cobain killed himself and he wrote a big question mark on his forehead and did Letterman and he was clearly on drugs. Right. We like But you're still like, that's my guy. Like Farley. D- yes. D- Belushi, Shannon Hoon, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix. All these guys, I was like, they were my heroes. John Daly. Like, I don't know. I wish I could disconnect with that. I remember, you know, I don't know if you know Tom Segura. He's one of my best friends.
0: I know who who he is, yeah.
1: Yeah, like he does not have that. He's like a businessman first. Yeah. There is no broken artist in that guy whatsoever. Yeah. He is like, he is the guy who's like, you know, I'll call him up and be like, hey man, I got this bit about... Poor people and how America hates poor people and and I'll be like ah, okay and, <laughs> and then I'll be like are you still with your business manager and I'm like what and he's like you need to get rid of your business manager you get a CPO and I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna just email you some information <laughs> like that's who Tom is you know yeah. like uh hey uh do you, you should get a personal trainer and you're like what like yeah. I'm, I'm like wallowing in these and, and but it's so interesting is that you know it, it's probably what makes us friends is that yeah. we're different men I don't yeah. think two of us could coexist But I I fucking idolize those because I guess there's not a lot of there's not a lot of risk in being that guy.
0: Well, I talk a lot because you meet these different archetypes of uh, you have super. I have tried to to build projects with super, super, super talented people who have never made anything happen for themselves because I'm like with my drive and my focus and uh, I can make. But those people always have this wicked fear of success that yeah. there is nothing you can do to undo. So if someone has a fear of success, you, there is no power on the planet stronger than an artist's fear of success.
1: I don't have a fear of success, but I have like a, like, I have, I don't know what this is, but like when, uh you know, when like they offered me a theater tour last year and I was like, I'm not ready. And they're like, I, I think you're ready. And I was like, no, I, I think I, I should do clubs and sell clubs for a year. And like, I just, I don't think I'm, mean, I don't think I could sell theaters, but I'd watch people who- You didn't think
0: you could draw? I didn't think I could draw. I didn't
1: think I'd draw. Why would people want to come out and see me in a theater? Wow. Like, and so- so I didn't. I did clubs, which is fi- financially fantastic. Yeah, it was great. By the way, there's more money in clubs. Really? There's a lot of oh yeah 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 um, yeah yeah uh, yeah. And and so, but like, and I hate to use Tom as an example, but I know that I'm safe talking yeah. about him because yeah. he is does not care. Yeah. Um, uh, his, so they told him he was ready to do theaters, and he was like, yeah. Like, he didn't even question it. Yeah. His whole fucking career, I've heard him say stuff like, uh, yeah, you gotta get out of that fucking club, man. They got a rock venue you do. I did a rock venue one night. Like, he'd just be like, of course they'll show up. Yeah. And, and, And I'm always like, I'm always shocked that he's like, of course they'll show up. Like, and he did his last theater run. I mean, he was adding so many fucking shows. And then he was like, you gotta get out of the clubs, man. You gotta do theaters. You're going to sell them out. You're going to add shows. Trust me. And I mean, I kicking and screaming and then I I talked to my agents this, this year and I was like my special's coming out and then I was like okay I think I'll be ready to do And they're like, finally, like I did Australia. Their
0: whole job is to know whether or not you're ready to uh, do that.
1: I can do. I mean, my only job is the art part. I'm not good at the business part.
0: Right. But like the people who know how the business works are. So that's interesting.
1: But they they don't always know. Yeah. Yeah. Get on Instagram stories. There's a lot of people. Who, doing empty theaters who are, well there's a lot of people whose ego is much bigger than their art so right. the opposite of what I am and not, not what Tom is I'm not saying that this is Tom because we've had conversations about specific artists who we believe this is applicable to they are people who would make a great uh, spreadsheet for what a comedy show should look like a great right. outline for how a comedy show should go right. uh, get on stage thank the host uh, um, take a sip from the drink relax uh, move the mic stand over to the left it's, it's very uh, cut and paste comedy there's no soul to it. And those right. same people often are like, I'm ready for theaters. Without any connection to the fans or the art or or any of the responsibility of what a theater show should look like. Yeah. They just go, I'm ready for theaters. And then they go to theaters and then you hear them.
0: Yeah. So that's arrogance and Tom has confidence.
1: Tom has unwielding confidence yeah I like, love that his wife and I are the same and I'm not throwing her under the bus but I think we will both admit that our entire careers we've been texting each other going Tom gave us this advice and we don't know whether to listen yeah. to him or not <laughs> and, but, but yeah I and so I don't know I've always been I've always thought I've always thought be, be pre- prepared I guess like be madly prepared for when the success is ready to show up yeah, and and not be one of those people to just thrust yourselves into situations and fuck it, it's it's shit, it's it's f- sink or fly. Yeah, like I, but there are a lot of people like that. I don't know how we got into this conversation but, about but, fear
0: of success, and then you were talking about yeah. So I know a few people like this because like a fear of success would be you would just sabotage every uh, like not day.
1: email people back. Yeah, not like email yeah, yeah, yeah. I got back. that too. I got that too. Then. I've
0: tried to I've tried to do uh, like I want to write TV, and so I've tried to write shows and create things with people. And then they would just disappear for a week And uh, not do whatever they were supposed to do And then I would do it for them And then they would show up and be lucid all of a sudden And want to undo everything I did and stuff And then then just energetically things never work out Because this person does not want to succeed And you can't uh you can't make that happen uh there are also people like uh you like everyone wears a mask and you have some people that wear a mask that's so much better than what they are as yeah. most people right There most yeah. people are trying to put on and then there's people like you that i like once i start talking get to know them i'm like wow you wear a mask that's uh you wear like a a, a less than mask like you you uh believe in identity that isn't uh that isn't equal with your actual uh output yeah your actual
1: i i i I found i found that in this space i'm very safe yeah the people that listen to this have said things to me that make me that i find comfort in being honest yeah um i i stopped being honest on twitter and instagram the same way i said don't put that out there yeah i remember one night i had a by the way it was not a meltdown it was like on periscope and i was like i just didn't know who was watching and i was getting ready to go to a christmas party and i was like i was complain. i just all i did was complain that my shirt was tight and that my jeans were tight that's it that's it i was like fuck so, but you know, I said it in a very yeah. honest way. The same way I'll say it. This is how I said it. I was like, "Fuck, I'm so fucking fat. I'm fucking tired of being fat." If you're skinny, you have no idea how much this fucking sucks. I have to go to a dinner party tonight. And I have, n- I'm just uncomfortable. I'm just uncomfortable. I'm like, fuck it. You know what? I'm gonna make a cocktail. It's all going away. That's all I said. Yeah. And everyone was like, "Bro, nine one one. Are you okay?" And I was like, "Oh, uh- <laughs> sometimes." And I was like, "Never mind." I was like, "Never sharing on social media." my feelings so i'll always if i'm on social media i will never put out uh i'll only show you the fun parts of my day the parts i am enjoying i'm never gonna be in fucking bed letting you know about what big brain says yeah <sighs> interesting. Fucking, can you imagine what people what people would think about me if they got to see me in a bed in a hotel room like big brain says i got colon cancer
0: i think everyone's going through this right now I everyone think so too. i talked to i just was with another comedian and when i was started describing this voice because i've been obsessively talking about it for weeks she was like my boyfriend and i were just talking about this and we were talking about how it's not you how it is it's a not. fictional bully that exists inside your voice that exists inside your head because she was talking about how it creates conflict in her relationship because that bully is like uh did you hear what he just said to you
1: did you hear how she said it to you?
0: Yeah. Did and you then her, her boyfriend, boyfriend would have to, to you? be like... I didn't say that. I understand that you... And so, like, uh, my podcast partner and I, like, things get... We're trudging up a ton of trauma all the time and stuff. So, our... Like, we'll get to editing a podcast where it was just rough and uh, it, and then we'll be projecting onto each other, you know? And it's like, okay, we're just in this hotel room. We have just recorded five hours of... I'm making my podcast. It's hilarious, I promise. <laughs> I'm making yeah. it sound very uh, dark. But the conversations get like this. And then... Uh, uh we uh you know we're i can tell i'm projecting like i'm te- i'm playing a movie on you i'm having these feelings yeah. and i'm playing this movie onto you and it has nothing to do with you
1: i gotta want my wife to come out for two seconds yeah. and, you know, if you land's here i can i can uh, uh this is a uh, big brain talking here i track her on <laughs> on uh life 360 so nope she is still at uh wait she's still at uh, paul gil martin's house who oh, you ready you ready to hear tell me if this is crazy or not crazy okay what she's a still, small
0: world the podcast world is yeah
1: she's doing paul Gamartin's martin's podcast today and uh well she started a podcast she had a really negative big brain in her head and her big brain was uh was very silent but and very casual and very uh like matter of fact you have no purpose in life you've got nothing you and you will not have nothing and you need to be cool with that okay wow like, and so one day we had this guy come on my podcast which you should t- i would totally say is a great podcast guest jair rodriguez were you here for that oh, yeah. we, jair rodriguez and he did a personality assessment to m- me and my wife and by the way i'm such a uh i'm a uh soft narcissist I think like I like I definitely think about myself a lot but I don't think about it to hurt other people I just think about myself a lot right and so he whatever slams he had on me I took his compliments (laughs) I was like I do do that and that's what makes me stronger yeah and he broke down my wife really yeah and was like and was like everything she needed to hear and then for like a week she would just uh, break down crying in the middle of the fucking middle of the living room just uh and then i was i went back and listened to the podcast and i was like all right i tried to apply what he said yeah and i was like let's let's fix you let's get things happening for you and the number one fix and this was not the right fix at the time it wasn't what she wanted and but i thought if you're having a hard time feeling like you're unproductive or uncreative do a podcast i go there free no one's going to bitch and moan about your podcast. Right. You're either going to listen or not listen. It costs us nothing. Do a podcast. Do a podcast and do whatever you want to do. And she just came up with this idea. I'm going to do a podcast to better myself and talk about things I want to talk about and produce it and be like into it. And it's changed her fucking life. Wow. It, she is a night and day different human being. She is super excited to do the podcast every single day every day she has to do it she works out like crazy which she loves now she eats clean and when she doesn't eat clean she feels guilty she now has assessed her day in eight hour power increments eight hours of work eight hours for me eight hours of sleep and so things that like taking my daughters to like uh, tennis practice which she, she used to look at that as work she goes yeah. no 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 I want to do that so I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna put that in the eight hours for me it's a fucking it's one of the best things that ever happened to her
0: and this is how long ago? We've done
1: 21 episodes. 21 episodes? So 21 three months? I'm telling you, man. I'm bad at math. Seven months? Five months? Five months? <laughs> so so where are you now? Like, you? so you got back into stand-up. You're? Are you touring?
0: When I was a kid, I knew I would be famous. Like, from the time I could talk, I would tell you I was going to be famous. I signed autographs. Uh, and would tell people to hold on to them is all i talked about all the time and then i i guess i thought i was going to be an actress or something i didn't even really know that part i was obsessed with stand-up i memorized bill cosby himself and like recited it and stuff but i never knew i would be good at it when i did uh when i got this is not happening i was three weeks from quitting comedy really i had done comedy like so passively over the years uh, because I wanted to build a family, and then I was afraid of being yeah. out on the road, and I did like recovery conventions for a long time. And then, when I was uh, 35, I was like, I just have to give it an honest effort, and to know whether or not it's going to happen. At this point, I'm doing five shows a year,
1: yeah.
0: and I uh, then I get pregnant, and so then I have to take two more years. So then at 37, I'm like, Give me two years, I'm going to figure it out. And at the end of the two years. Nothing had happened. I just fell on my face a million times. I'm also trying to like get a TV credit from Delaware. And I loved this is not happening. I had watched every episode. Have you seen mine? Mm
1: hmm. Okay. Well, every, that's, that's what's wrong with me. That's yeah. what's wrong with me right there. Keep going, keep
0: going. Every comic wants to do like a late night or whatever. And I just felt like, Uh no, let me on that show and I will find my audience because that's what I do.
1: Boy, were you fucking right. <laughs>
0: So, four months before I'm supposed to quit comedy and get a real estate license, I uh, already put something on, uh, so we need women and people of color. And I had just done a storytelling show that my very first storytelling show the night before. My comedy is all story-ish. It's all autobiographical. It should be. But I had just done the story of getting married at 16 and that whole mess. And so people had tagged me in that post. Well, I never, it's like some superstitious thing. I never filmed sets. And so all I had was the story of my first home birth. So I send that in. And then the next day I'm like, you idiot, it should have been something about meth. So the next day I send a meth, there's a, just a meth bit. And then the third day, I'm like, but that's a bit, not a story. I write back again. And I'm like, hey, sorry, just watch the first one, not the second. One. Anyway, sorry. So that's what it's like to have a conversation. You're sending with him me.
1: to Ari directly? Uh, no, I'm
0: sending him to Eric. Okay. And, okay. Uh, and then Much I. Much
1: better than sending him to Ari. Yeah,
0: God. I'm just flailing in his inbox. And uh, he's used to that now. And so then I'm like, well, I'm never going to hear from them again. So now we're like three weeks from. Uh, from the me quitting comedy and I get an email that's like you're like we didn't pick you but we think you would probably have something that works. So you want to keep in touch? And I was like, yeah, I'll keep in touch. And so I called people and was like, put together a storytelling show. I need to get this ready. He's talking about next year. Get in touch for next year. Three weeks later, I have written Meth Piss, the first draft, and taped it and sent it to him. And he's like, all right. Uh, yeah, I mean, so you have a year, a literal year to figure this yeah. out. And I don't stop. Every few weeks, I'm sending him a new version. Uh, poor Eric. And um, so, I, so when I did... And then i i when i wrote it this was a very hard bit to run obviously yeah. like i'm having to do that I, i'm having to talk about shooting up in my neck and drinking my pee at like vfws and uh improv theater because i was like i don't give a shit like this is my one shot i'm going to make this work and so everyone else is just gonna have to i would at the beginning i would just apologize halfway through and be like sorry i have to run this story uh
1: there's a good disconnect with that, though. Yeah. no, a I, I really had to disconnect. Be,
0: I had to get desensitized to how uh, hard
1: it was for people to listen to my it. My therapist. Hold on one second. <laughs> hey, real quick. I'm on my podcast, and I was trying to do the Dr. the Spock and and uh, Jim and uh, uh, Scotty analogy for id, ego, or suit. What was it? Yeah, id, ego, super, ego. What is it again? Will you say it real quick? Id, ego. Id, ego, super ego. And which one's which? So um, Bones is the id. Spock is the ego, and Kirk is the super ego. Oh. Okay. All right. Actually, you know, you can play it up different ways, but I think the best one is id is Kirk because he likes to fuck everything. Yeah. Okay. He likes to fuck everything. That's where he goes. he likes to fuck
0: everything. So, <laughs> Kirk is the id. Spock is the ego, saying no, you shouldn't. And Bones kind of puts them all sort of in between.
1: Okay. All right. Great. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I didn't need you. I was worried that as soon as I called you, you thought something was wrong with me. I'm in the middle of a podcast. Uh, I'll give you. I'll talk. To, I'll see you next week. You got. It. All right. Thank you. Don't charge me for that. Um, so, wait, so, so you're tr- you're running this in VSW halls? Yeah, I'm running Improvs, it everywhere yeah. and
0: getting it ready. And when I was on stage, uh, in so I'm living in Delaware, so I was on stage in uh, L.A. doing Meth Piss. For the first time, I felt like in my hand, I felt the thing I knew was going to exist when I was a kid. Like I knew it. And I got off stage and was like we have to move to LA and uh I'm still married at this point like the marriage the marriage like and it was amazing and then just wasn't just almost overnight yeah. and like I'm just not the type to like I'm not gonna do something that's like I'm not I'm just let's just not do this anymore so we were right before that and uh I just was like, it's this happening. Reality for me felt like a, I do believe I create my reality. Not cheesy like the secret, but I do believe like, and it used to feel like a landscape that I fill with things uh, through decisions and like intentions and attracting people and things to my life. And the moment I was filming, this is not happening and felt that in my hand, it started to feel like a timeline, a pre-manufactured timeline that i'm ju- that already exists and i'm just the decisions and the intentions are just uh, like I'm I have to like vibrate on a frequency to walk on it yeah and since then I have started to feel like there are multiple I spend way too much time thinking about this yet anyway so then <laughs> I, I lived in LA within six months I drove around LA the next day and was like oh Glendale I like Glendale I'm gonna move to Glendale really and uh, I had to move out of my house move into my parents house for six weeks where I worked overtime at a fine dining re- like I hadn't had a day job in years uh, where I worked overtime at a fine dining restaurant to stack money and then just did a huge show before i left took all that money and moved to la and uh i went to a comedy festival because i live in delaware nobody knows who i am yeah and i went to a comedy f- i work at a comedy festival
1: you work that at a comedy i that festival. i bombed
0: at i bombed at a comedy festival in 2014 and it was like i have to come back and redeem myself so i was like you guys should let me do your social media and they needed a a new coordinator what's, co- what's coming festival? big sky I don't know. Yeah, it's just uh it's like a competition kind. It's oh, great. Okay. That was yeah. like camp Montana? for comedians. Yeah.
1: It's great. Yeah, I No, go it's there. a
0: phenomenal and it was like three years old at the time. And so I just worked uh for free to get back to this festival because and then you know uh then i get to do 12 minute sets in front of industry an opportunity i'm not getting in delaware yeah you had to create for myself and so i i was going this year and i was like i'll get repped this is my fourth year at this festival i've never gotten repped out of it but i just like knew i was like i'll get repped because uh, this is not happening it was like not coming out and then I it hadn't I, come out yet. It hadn't come out yet, and so then I get I get to L.A. in January. Two days before I get to L.A., I'm driving across the country, and I still have no idea how I'm going to pull anything off. I'm repped though. I did get repped in like I said I would. And who uh, who who who? Uh, Olivia Dowd oh. Mosaic.
1: Oh, mosaic. Okay, I know mosaic.
0: And so I was like, uh, I had written some TV shows. I'm the worst shows. person
1: in this business because I, I don't do know ask anything. who and I don't know anything. I don't know
0: what anything. I'm always like, are you supposed to do this? Am I supposed to? I have no yeah. idea what I'm doing ever. <laughs> I'm making it up as I go along. But I had written some TV shows. And so I wanted to I wanted to sell these TV shows. And so two days before I get to LA, I get an email that says, hey, they split the season in half. If you're getting this email, you're on next season. And I was oh, like.
1: Oh, 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 oh. Okay
0: of this is not happening. So now I just have a year to kill with the triple the rent that I was paying and no
1: job. Kids coming out with you? Kids with me. Husband with you?
0: Uh, husband with me at the time, but ex-husband. Yeah. And we went from like a, you know, a 3,500 square foot house to now we're, we're, we're bunking in a 1,100 square foot apartment which is not fun with your freshly split. Uh, and not like anything was going to happen like overnight, but it was going to happen much faster than a full year. Yeah. And uh, I was like, ah, oh, man, sometimes I have these experiences where I feel like I'm staring, like I have decided I'm going to experience something and then reality says, nah, but I feel like I'm having a standoff. And I was like, no, I came here to experience this. It's not changing. And I just had this weird standoff with reality where I was like, no, nah, it's coming out this year. And then uh, the season came out. They did, the, they did the preview, like everything else. And I was on a great episode next year, but...
1: But your episode hasn't... Well, your episode came out.
0: So then in... Uh, I had all these things like planned, right? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll take my time. I did this. Doesn't feel real, though. Doesn't feel real. I does feel like I'm on the final click of this a roller coaster. Doesn't feel like I'm going to sit here for a year. And then like mid-February, I got a call that was like, hey, bad news. Uh, they cut your episode up. And I was like, yeah, I don't care about... Can you put me on the internet, though? And they were like, oh, yeah, that's in two weeks. Sweet
1: so like, that you didn't go on Comedy Central. I don't think so. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a yeah? I mean, uh, on no Comedy fuck? Central, but like, I look, like, no, 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 slam to Comedy Central. But I'll tell you right now, I've had more. I don't know if my episode made the air. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm. I know for a fact, flying dildos, which was the second story I told on there. Um, I I want to say I want to say it has. Let me see. I know that people yell it out at my shows, and that is the only place I've ever told it. And I doubt they saw it. It has 2.4 million views. Million views. My my fighting a bear is 2.6. Dear Ari Shafir, thank you so much yes. for negotiating your deal where you said these videos. Let me tell you something. Look, I'll always shit on Ari. I love him like a brother. I do. I really do. And I'll always shit on him jokingly and, and, and vice versa. All of us joke. And, and I hope you get the joke that we are friends and this is us shitting on each other as fun. I have a list of texts right now from them trashing me. But Ari, when he made his deal, he said it needs to be on youtube no one is watching your network they're only watching youtube and thank fucking god because
0: i just don't think people millennials are watching tv period i love comedy central they've been, they're great uh but I, had, well, there's like, no reason for you me, to talk
1: shit about them I'll, I'll be very candid about them i think they've you have almost a million views and your story's only been out for three fucking months yeah for three months yeah and it's got Almost a million, 843,000 views.
0: It got, it got... You look uh,
1: fantastic in the story, by the way. Thank
0: you very much.
1: Um, It is, it is a great fucking, it is a great piece of tape for you.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was uh, overnight changed... I don't even think I have, like, fully soaked up everything that it... And I, like, I re- when I was getting ready for this and not happening, I watched every single video. I read every YouTube comment because I'm insane. And uh, so I know what all the comments look like, especially on the women's videos. I always about. read comments. I've read all of my... I've never... The, my comments are so... I do think I'm somewhat impervious to the, like, fuck this junkie bitch. I don't even pay attention to that. I'm yeah. like, or like all the dumb uh, female, female comics aren't funny, whatever. But overall, so complimentary. So many people came to the podcast. Uh, it gets.
1: You only have 571 dislikes. At yeah. 13,000 likes. That's, that's, I think. I, I'd, I'd take those numbers we'll look at Bert Kreischer you ready for this? <laughs> fucking I'll take uh, uh, flying dildos and we'll see how many dislike percentages it's gonna be a lot why can't I spell flying I think I might be um, let's see Hey, not too bad. Not too yeah. bad myself. <laughs> not too bad. I think we did a good job. I think um, people- Can you
0: tell Ari that I'm not a mutant? Every, so I only know him. He called me because it was still his show till like the day that I taped. And he called me and was like, hey, you're doing my show. Where's this number from? And I said, Delaware. And he was like, why?
1: Oh, he's the wrong person to... <laughs> That's so funny because that's so Ari. Yeah. Why are you in Delaware? Yeah,
0: why? And I was like, I, you know, I just where I landed. And so we talked a little bit. He was super nice. And then I did the show and then I have made several attempts. We we're going to do a uh, New York comedy uh, festival. We were on a storytelling show together and uh, where I was telling a story about accidentally blowing the Red Sox. And... Um, <laughs> he uh i met i texted him and was like hey i don't know if you remember me but i was looking forward to meeting you and then every time i ever just try to i'm awful on text i was trying to say something nice and then it like definitely comes out weird so i've started several conversations with him that all end with me then writing back and be like oh i didn't mean it like what it's all right. wait
1: wait wait read me one I
0: think I tried to tell him he's like oh good so it worked out good for you because I was like this has helped a lot you know thank you for this show he's very he's very generous and very happy about that yeah like I would have never even if I did late night even if I found a way to make something that I talk about not dark enough to be on network TV that's going to introduce me to an audience that would hate me if they saw me in person Mm -hmm. when I saw his show I was like oh this is my home this is where I belong this audience wants to hear the shit that i talk about and so i i i told him like yeah it's already been a huge like made a huge uh change in my life and he said uh so it's been good you had good things work out and then i was trying to tell him that like how many of his fans are in the comments like how many people boycotted the show uh because of him and like how much his fans love him whatever but i don't know if like tonally the way i said it it, i was trying to compliment but i'm kind of tiptoeing around it and then i feel like it sounded like i was complaining and so then which i probably didn't he was probably just like doing a show but then by the time he came back i had already like (laughs) tried to fix it that's just and you know he's
1: on a flip phone so
0: really oh Oh, cool
1: he's on a flip phone (laughs) he's only on the flip phone so he's only getting the last text he doesn't and then sometimes when he replies it comes from his email like he's it's really hard to communicate with him
0: (laughs) all right i would
1: i would write it off that he didn't read any of them yeah because he's, he's stuck in 1992 awesome on his fucking technology
0: oh that's so funny
1: yeah he is uh yeah he's you know the only thing that sucks is that uh had he been a part of the show and this is the best part of Ari i I didn't experience it as much because I think I storytelling wise I think I was a little I was f- more far ahead of the the rest of the everyone getting into it yeah because I was doing it for real yeah like I was doing it for real I mean I, I told the machine story four years straight such a every story. every show trying to figure out how to tell a story and now I'm a lot quicker at getting to a story yeah but I had to learn I learned that on my own and so many people get into storytelling who want to do it who get lost and Ari Ari and I would sit and talk about story and and why some stories work and you' you'd find out things like it was just from like random feature acts would be sitting on the road with you and you go you know what, I like that story I knew it was I knew when it was over and you're like what he's yeah. like I knew when it was over like I could tell oh it's over now I, and that's why I started clapping because it was over and I'm yeah like, really so like but one of the things he was really good with was sitting with people and helping them with their story and telling them what was g- great about their story. And and I've done it with other, with comedians since who have done this show because Ari's agent is a good friend of mine. And uh, just being like, hey, man, can you help me with my story? And so I'd have them tell me their story for like over an hour. Yeah. And then I'd reworkshop their story with them and kinda go, here's here's the arc I see. Yeah. But, uh, but your story was so good. It got it had all the things so I much. love in a story. Had all the things I love in a story. I love a strong open. I love a strong open. I love a fucking through line. I lo- I do, I, 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 you arced it, you slowed it down, you sped it up. All the things I love in a story, what you had it. You should thank Dave Williamson if you ever see him.
0: Okay, do you is, know that Dave who, Williamson? is that who, yeah, I do.
1: Dave Williamson was- He was we were, there that night. We were backstage in Birmingham. I said something. I had a punchline, or no, I had a punchline that night. Later that night, after uh, watching your set, I had a joke about my daughter's softball team, a bunch of white girls crumbling like meth teeth. <laughs> and it's so funny that, and then I, Dave was like, oh, we gotta Google her teeth. And so, um, but- uh, Dave Williamson was backstage. He's like, have you heard of Jessa Reed? And I went, no. He goes, dude, that's, really? that's one Aww. of the best stories I've ever heard. And I went, wait, what is it? And he goes, just Google it. She drinks meth pee. And I went, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> like I love when someone can do like, I remember uh, Nate Bargatze was like, you ever heard about the Time Joe List shit in that girl's shoe? I was like, oh my what? God, that's how it's st- Yeah. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I started watching it and I, had to pause it because I had to go on stage. And when I got off stage, I went right back to watching it. I was thinking wow. about it on stage. Oh my God. Was, that's why I said I hadn't gotten the part, I don't know if I what part I got into, but that's where I was thinking about it on stage. And when I said these white bitches crumbled like meth teeth, I was thinking of you. Right. And oh I was my like, God. yeah. And so I thought, and I, and I got off and then I got home, back to my hotel and I watched it again. And then I fucking went online. I Googled every fucking picture of you I could find. Holy and I was like shit. I was like, this is, this is, what makes in my opinion what makes a great comedian is someone where you watch the one thing they do and then you're like fuck I'm fascinated I gotta know everything wow so yeah so if you see Dave Williamson buy him a Bud will Light I
0: absolutely message him I'm gonna find this uh, album for you
1: also oh I'd love to see it because part of me thinks you you probably look like a ton of girls I've partied with
0: alright so it's every just you can just swipe through that album oh my god <laughs> you won't see the teeth there were there were none by this point
1: oh my god
0: and there's a lot of like uh black eyes because we didn't get into the uh the the domestic violence stuff but i got uh you know i took propane tanks to the face and stuff so
1: and you do have you have great skin you don't look like you have acne spots at all
0: yeah i didn't get any uh i got very little acne i not more than i ever got not on meth
1: do you still smoke cigarettes?
0: No, I quit I, when I had a year clean.
1: Really? Your hair looks interesting as fuck in this.
0: So, these are braids, and now I'm kind of self conscious about sharing these photos because, like, we didn't know anything about cultural pro- oh, appropriation. Oh, fucking suck a dick. <laughs> uh, on that. My best friend was black. He put braids in my hair. Oh, they and can. So oh, I, I would never be self
1: conscious of this. <laughs> I would definitely. Is this, is this you? A mugshot? Yeah,
0: so that is, I got caught in a burglary. But was so slick though and uh i knew that the cops were coming because we were with someone who was definitely a rat and whose phone had gotten turned off that day but he was outside on his phone and i was like this fucking rat so i wrote myself a note that uh that was like hey whoever the owner of the house was that we knew wasn't there uh i climbed in your doggy door to get my stuff and your house looks ransacked like people robbed it uh what's happening and then i stuck the note in my back pocket so when the cops showed up i answered the door they searched me since they found the note and i didn't show it to them they just were like oh okay that's why she's here and they let me go but then my boyfriend was using a fake id of a felon like he had stolen id and it was of another felon so they realized he was lying and then i was just trying to be a down-ass bitch and i was like
1: a down-ass bitch
0: you're not taking him without me and they were like all right so
1: god that's so that you don't that doesn't look like you at all really yeah
0: yeah so this is like 25 years old (laughs) That's like 23 years old.
1: Oh, my God. That's my sister. That's your sister? Yep. She looks like she's having a good time.
0: Yeah, she was... uh, But see, like, this is like the the self-awareness in the pictures where i know because this was to take a selfie you had to take a camera you had to put it on the timer yeah then you had to prop the camera up so i had rolled that camera up into the window of the car i was living in and then just so i could take this picture and it kept falling out and it kept like the timer kept going off so i was kind of laughing at myself yeah uh whenever i was doing like super tweaker-ish stuff it
1: would a That's lot of tweakers don't
0: know. It. Like they don't know that they're being a
1: Well, I'll tell you what, everyone listening, you gotta hit up Ari so you do Ari's podcast. Because yes. because Ari and I do very different podcasts. I'm not the best interviewer. Ari's a really good interviewer. Yeah. Like he really is a genuinely thoughtful interviewer. And his I, I've listened to some of his interviews he's done and I've gotten real like like he doesn't mind like for me, I sometimes I like the broad stroke. Ari yeah. doesn't mind taking one thing you say and whittling that away. He's a really great interview, and wow. I'd love to hear you on his podcast. Yeah, I would love to. And then obviously, every, I mean, you're just a fascinating... You've had a really amazing set of life experiences. Yeah, I and just I, did
0: Sam as I did Tim Foyle Hat, because obviously the alien thing was... Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> and at the end, he was like, I have to apologize. I thought this was going to be way lamer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I'm telling you, I don't know. I mean... You've got representation. I don't know what else I can do to help you other than promote the living fuck out of you. So if oh, you've got a tour you. date, let me know it. Tag me in it and I'll retweet it as always. Okay. And get you on Aries, and I'd love to have you back on the podcast. Yes, for sure. I would love to have you back on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to get you to do, I don't know if my wife's friend will do a podcast, but I would love to get you on my wife's podcast with her friend. Okay. To, and, just, and just share stories. Absolutely. Um, I can always tell when my podcast needs to be over because my yep. daughters start walking by for they no reason They start circling, at all, yeah. And they're just like, hey, oh, okay. Yeah. And they're going to get one egg out of the chicken Yeah. <laughs> um, but this has been awesome, Jess. Thank, oh, so thank you much. so much. How much time do we do? That's perfect. Awesome. 210. Hey, uh, let, tell, what's the name of your podcast? What's, where can everyone find you?
0: Uh, Mormon in the Meth Head is the name of the podcast. It's everywhere that uh, podcasts are. Who do you are. do it with? Uh, Aaron Woodall.
1: Oh, that's right, Aaron Woodall. Aaron Woodall. And uh, and what's your Instagram? Your Twitter?
0: Uh, my Twitter and Instagram are both Jessa Reed comedy, and I got Jessareed.com, obviously, and then just Jessa Reed on Facebook, where I spend most of my time. You can follow me.
1: Oh, are you a big on Facebook? Big on Facebook. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you had an hour special on Comedy Central within this year. Wow. the Because yeah, because the the big stories that have popped from there. Are like Ali Sadiq, yeah, and his his special did amazing for them, yeah. But I think people that find you on there, and you're an authentic storyteller with with a point of view, and if you have you and Ali are so much alike in that you're people who lived a life and definitely grow grew up and have a point of view, right? But there's still a part of you in like there's so much a part of you that's so much still in ali like ali doesn't like when people talk down to him because he's shorter than them yeah and that's the same thing where you're like you're like, i believe in this manifest destiny yes. i believe that i can push i'm pushing up against my destiny like yeah. that is the same fucking voice
0: that fight yeah
1: yeah it's awesome and i'm so glad i got to meet you thank
0: you me too this has been great
1: yeah thank you so much thank you